Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 459 of Conversation Street Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I hope you're all looking forward to hearing us talking more about this week's interesting Coronation Streets. Not not necessarily no. a good week, according to everybody that we saw online, but um, we'll try and make the best of it and make this a jolly good podcast for you all. I am Michael. I'm Gemma. She is Gemma, and we are going to be talking about episodes 10,255 to 10,260 of Coronation Street. Oh, yes, we will. How are you doing, Gemma? Oh, I'm, I'm doing want right. to know. Doing all right, doing all right. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Last week, towards the end of the podcast, I remember, we were a little bit down about house things and saying people don't mention house things to us, but things are back on track again. A little Maybe. bit different. We're not going to say anything, because you're not going to jinx it. Not going to say anything. I shouldn't anything, have even mentioned it. But I will say, when we were looking in the house, uh, the ho- a house today... Um, the, yes, we were looking at the, the house today. The estate agent <laughs> said guess to what's me... Happened. The estate agent said to me... What was that thing you said to me last time that made me laugh so much? And I said, I don't know. I say a lot of things that are funny. And he said, oh, it was really funny. I've, I've got it on my email because I sent it to everyone in the office and we were laughing about it. So and I'm funny like, as hell. What on earth could it have been? And now I don't know. Whether to, I kind of want to ask him, but I think I might disappoint myself. <laughs> it's like the great, you remember the Monty Python sketch about the greatest joke in the world? It was probably yes, that. Probably, probably, Gemma. <laughs> I mean, that is the sort of thing that you would say. Because you are. Are you just jealous? I think hilarious. you are. I'm not, you I'm, get mad I'm not when, jealous. You get I mad started, when people laugh at my jokes. I've started two hilarious things on social media this week number one coronation street characters as crisp flavors oh, yeah. was my fun on monday night and that was quite fun and uh anthony cotton and sandra i get appreciated that at least can i just say that when Corey's a bit down you have to make your own fun don't you we did and that's why last <laughs> night i started um oh, an, a thread on our facebook rude. group based on something i'd seen on reddit which was take a famous Are you quote to say the word Yes, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a biological, it's magical. Yeah. Replace a famous quote with the but word... But if you don't want to listen to a rude word, that's an anatomical... It's an anatomical man's part. Penis. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, we had to take a quote and put the word... Change the word for penis. So um, So we start. So I started a thread on, on the Conversation there Street group. And there were some amazing Coronation Street quotes of penis put in the wrong place. Absolutely fantastic. Like, what's that lipstick taste of? Penis, Stanley, penis, and so on. I think it's quite funny. I'm sure that there are some it's people Sorry that are listening that. now and then can just shut up and get on with the quiz if you have to. But if it cheered me quiz. up. Cheered me up last night, it did. And thank you, everybody on the group who took part and gave me a good old giggle. And Gemma, she was laughing her head off, wasn't she, last I night? I nearly wet myself. I, re- I did a little recording you of Gemma You secretly recorded me and it sent it, it to people. I did, I did. I, was, I, I had to giggles. go into the bathroom sit on the toilet and cough because I got so over overworked that I couldn't clear my throat. <laughs> and I was scared if I did, if I coughed too hard, the floodgates you're, would open. You're so, <laughs> so immature finding these things funny. I'm just, I'm used to it. You know, I teach my sex education at school every year. All normal to me. It's all normal. Right. Right. Speaking Chris, of quiz. If I'm, we haven't put you off yet, this is the litmus oh, test. Oh, no, before we do the quiz, can I just say, some people might be wondering, where's the bonus podcast this oh, week? Yeah. Where is it? I'm thinking Usually is, there's two episodes out on Saturday. Can I just tell Saturdays. you, I think this is controversial. Why? Tell them what you've done. 
we've done a special YouTube episode and it's it's not one of these ones that you can kind of listen to or you can kind of watch. You need to sort of watch this one. And this is an idea you that's been... can watch it on double time, just so you okay. know. It's pretty good though. This is something that's been knocking around in my head for the past six months or so after, I think it was Gemma went away for the day one day and I got um, looking into the Wayback Machine, which is that internet archive thing. And you can look at internet pages from way back to like 1996. And I started looking at old Coronation Street fan sites and the official site actually back from yeah the late 90s early 2000s so we recorded a special youtube thing on tuesday night this week which was us looking through um like the 1999 build i think of the official coronation street website then an early 2000s one then we branched off into a load of funny fan sites and things it was really quite fascinating 20 year old internet history yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if you're if you're old and wrinkly like us and you remember the, the early days of the internet, um it might bring back some nostalgic memories. Um it, it was it was a lot of fun um finding, you know, the sort of things that people used to write about Coronation Street. Uh, just the, the style of the websites back in the day, hit counters, under construction counters. signs, animated guests. Guestbooks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All those nostalgia bits and, and fan sites, which I don't think people do very much anymore. I think it's all no, just social media. it's all media. social media, isn't it? But, but I yeah, think if you're, we if should you're, get rid of social media and just bring bring back blogs. If you are interested in that kind of thing, then you can head over to our YouTube channel and have a watch. It's like an hour and 20 minutes or so. And um, we, we I, I really enjoyed doing it. Oh, that and there anyway. are some funny limericks. Oh, yeah, there were poems and everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, shall I do the quiz? Do it. Right. This is things that happen between the 22nd and the 26th of February in years ending in a 1 and a 6. And I sourced it from coronationstreet.fandom.com, a.k.a. Coropedia. Question number 1. 22nd of February, 1971. The residents hold a meeting to protest the building of which warehouse on the street? Mark Britton. What was the business? What did they do? Just oh, like, sorry, I've got a sniss because I've been making curry. They're just, I thought the they were just like my nose. packaging or something, you know, like Well, I can only accept up, the actual answer. Um, business, business. It's I a business know. park. No, mail order. Uh, yeah, I guess so. 22nd Boring. of February, 1991. I know, why, I don't understand why you would open a business... On a on a television show and make it really boring. Oh no! Like what? If it could be anything, because it can, because you don't actually have to make money out of it. Why not make it a toy factory or well, they, like a custard and jelly? They're factory? still riding on the hilarity that is opening a knicker factory on Coronation know, Street. It's still going strong. Twenty two, twenty three years later, it's not as funny as they think. <laughs> right, that's 20- funny. If it's a penis factory, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it funny. <laughs> So juvenile. <laughs> Would you? Okay, right. I won't ask any questions about whether they're real or real ones. Just, just next question. Or just plastic. Twenty second of February, nineteen ninety one. Who accuses Rita of having an affair with Reg? Oh, oh! Remember that nineteen ninety one? Yep. Um. I. Uh, was it? I think it was Reg's wife. Yes. What Veronica. Was her name? Veronica. Yeah. Well done. She came from. New Zealand. Twenty third of February, nineteen seventy six. First appearance of which salesman character? Nineteen seventy six. Correct. Salesman. Correct. Um, Derek. Yes. Ray. I was not going to give you the clue for salesman. I was going to say Victor Pendlebury, but then I thought no. No. Twenty fourth of February, nineteen sixty one. Elsie demands to know what's inside a mysterious box that Dennis is keeping under his bed. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> is this something from the penis factory? <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, I don't remember this. 
Shall I tell you? Um. Yeah. It's a python. A python? <laughs> That's what he called her. <laughs> this is terrible. Why do you have python under it? I don't bed? know. I okay, can't remember. Fine. 25th of February, 1991. Vera's mum's... I've written wedding, but it was her funeral. Vera's mum's funeral takes place, mm-hmm. and who tells Vera he is her dad? Uh, Joss Shackleton. Correct. 25th of February, 2011. Why is Eileen Grimshaw arrested? Oh, we just talked about this last week. I know, you always money. get mad about me mentioning this. Stealing, stealing money, or blackmailing money, building. No, come on, Owen. you know exactly what this is. <sighs> oh, I know, I know about this. It's something, some kind of crime that she did. <laughs> Builder's yard. How much? Who against? Owen. Yes, I think you're marked, but I'm really disappointed with you. I know. She stole and then returned £10,000. And she gets a caution. It's like, I don't think it should count if you... uh, (laughs) I don't think you should get off with it if you give it back. I don't think we'd give it back. I mean, I could just go borrow a tiara off the Queen if it's like that. (laughs) 26th of February 1996. To capitalise on his ghost, Jack makes T-shirts for the Rovers. What does the slogan say? It's something along the lines of come to the rovers and see our spirits or... Is this is this like you being snappy? Because I'm, I need the exact... No, you don't need I the do. exact. It oh, had the word spirits in it. Try our spirits, see our spirits, come to the rovers for our spirit. I don't know. Come, come on. Come and try our spirits. I think that's the first thing that I said. No, it isn't. Mark. You were like, come along and have a look at our... Like, we've never written a slogan before. <laughs> Coronation Street, the Rovers Return, kindly welcomes you well, to you come wait and see, uh, wait investigate... Wait until you see the lens of some of my storyline titles today. The supernatural happenings in our basement. 26th of February, final question. 2016. Why does Jamie Bowman, or Bowman, Bowman, get sentenced to three years in prison? Oh. Oh, revenge porn. Correct. It was him, wasn't it? Yeah. He distributed... There's an important end to this sentence. Distributed naked pictures of Steph Britton without her permission. Yes. If he had permission, he could have made a profit out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. So, so what did you get? Uh, one, oh, two, three, that, four, sure. five, six, seven out of nine. Okay. I'll take that. It's pretty good. Bir- Birthdays. Days. It's George Taylor's birthday this very day that oh, we're recording this, Oh, I can't this, believe it. I'm sending her happy vibes. I hope she had a lovely she day. She's having a boxing birthday as this episode is going birthday. out. That's the day after her birthday now. Oh, it? I By thought you were like, <laughs> she got I don't know, maybe boxing she... lessons for her birthday. I was oh, like, that's pretty cool. But oh, watch the face. <laughs> right, birthdays. 27th of February to the 5th of March. 29th of February is Wendy Peters. Is she, maybe she's got boxing lessons to take on those internet trolls. Let's not talk about it. She won't thank you for bringing that up. But she was right. Um, <laughs> so that is the 29th. It's a special day, isn't it? 29th of February. Wendy Peters. Yes, yes, it is Wendy Peters. She's, birthday, she's probably got the most special birthday of all. Mm, probably um, 1st of March, Anne Cunningham. We played Linda Chavesky. Love her. We've got a, a big load of birthdays on the 3rd of March. We've got Alison King, who plays Carla Connor. Matthew Marsden, who played Chris Collins. Patty Clare, who played Mary, plays Mary Taylor. And Charlie Renshaw, who plays Liam Connor Jr. the 4th. Happy birthday. And on the 5th of March, we've got Helen Palmer, who played Ida Cloth. Nice. Although her name's written Helen with an E. Whenever I, Helen. Whenever I see that, I always think of um, 
Uh, what's his face out of the British Empire? Ellen. 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 <laughs> right. Are we, are we ready? Are we going to get cracking and talk talking about... about this week's Coronation Street? Let's let's do this. Yeah. We've, we've done the build up. Let's go for the main event. Street talk. Okay, street talk this week. Well, well, Jeremy, looking forward to this chat about this um, amazing week of Coronation Street. Oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a. Yes. No, it was rubbish. Come on, get on with it. Oh, yeah, I know we were starting recording a bit later. I just couldn't, um, you could, I don't couldn't know what muster you've been the energy. For nearly an hour. I don't know Come what I've been doing since it. it's finished. It's funny and about. I just thought that this week's Coronation Street was flatter than Ted's wreath after getting run over by Eileen in the hearse. But that was funny. <laughs> That's going to be our first story this week because I think that was certainly the most controversial uh, thing that went on this week, wasn't it? Forget about the you know the drugs and the psychics and the uh, lesbian relationship with goths. It was <laughs> it was funeral during COVID times and people had thoughts no, about it. No, it wasn't. Fu- it wasn't that they comedy had a fun- funeral. Yes. Comedy funeral. Attempted comedy funeral. Um, Lovely gay dead is going to be our top story of the night, but I have all got a subtitle for it for this week, too, which is a shout out to our Canadian fans, Tim Hauntons. <laughs> uh, we've got a bit more of the size supplies storylines later. I was trying to come up with like a story that linked psychics with psy, like size kicks. Or something, you know, like yeah, or no. sidekicks. All right, or, no, it doesn't work. I don't so know. You've got to move on. Uh, and then we'll have the petering out story, which I could also call Lucas Liquors and Carla's Knickers. You or mean liqueur, like liqueur? Liquor, yeah, liquor like booze. Um, or Carla Connor and the lure of Lucas's Luca. Uh, we've got a bit more of the Jeff Free story, and Yasmin is still not Jeff Free at all. Um, oh my goth, a little bit of the. He's new, run, run, run. He's new, run, run. He was snuck into two scenes on Monday. Um, and finally, <laughs> I don't know why we didn't think of this storyline title before. What did you say, It's nothing to do with me. Hallucinating. <laughs> Although he's more hallucinates this week, isn't he? But never mind. does funny. Does not. But all the, everything else, obviously, hilarious. Gemma, would you like to do Lovely Day Gay? You could have... Gay Dead. A cat believe you're hallucinating. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just delaying the inevitable of talking about right, this week's Right, I'll talk about this. Go on then, Gemma. You can be more sensitive than me about these things. I don't think that sensitive was what they were going for with this. No, but we need to balance out Coronation Street's complete lack of insensitivity. No, with our... they had insensitivity in buckets, you're saying. Oh, lack sensitivity. Of sen- yes. See, I so, can't even talk. So one of the main things that people were upset about was the fact that um, there's a lot of death. there's a lot of death on Coronation Street in recent times and this funeral comes at a time when we are in a global pandemic over a hundred thousand people have died in the uk and people are a bit upset and so having a comedy funeral seems like a bit of a weird hard sell you know i don't know i didn't find this offensive or upsetting um I've not, we've not been recently bereaved. No, though we did go to a funeral. We went to a funeral last year, year, um, but it's not, you know, it's not. um, It didn't. It didn't upset me. No, normally, and I I mean, I wouldn't say I can understand that some people really did not find this funny, but I will say that you there is never a good time to have a comedy funeral story if you're worried about offending people. I know. There's always going to be somebody who's watching this who's just literally come I know, back and to I the think, funeral. I think we've said on the podcast before that 
I don't know whether Corey should be should shy away from things that might trigger people because yeah, you know, like you said, that people will always be triggered by someone. And I know this is, is particularly, you know, insensitive time. time. I, I completely, completely respect and understand that and, yeah. and know that people would be offended by it and maybe it wasn't the time, best move. But there's also sometimes um, a bad time. Yeah. And I, and I too was not in the slightest bit offended with the notion of a comedy funeral. Yeah, in in fact, when I when it was coming up, I was thinking, "Oh, that could be quite good actually because the last comedy funeral that I remember on Coronation Street, which was Lewis's, I did think was bloody brilliant." Um but sadly, the main problem I had with this this week is that it just wasn't actually that funny. There it was yeah. an attempted comedy funeral, which is maybe worse. Yeah, number 1, you you've got to you've got to prove you yourself correct in thinking that this is going to be funny and everyone's going to like it by actually making it funny like you've got to justify it by actually putting a bit of effort in and secondly i think you need to be a bit you need to what you need to think about what what the focus of your joke is and it was gail it was like the joke's on gail here because we're making fun of eileen's making fun of a light of this funeral because she hates gail and that's not that doesn't really work does it because it's making fun of the mourner and that's really uncomfortable um, i know uh, you know gail and eileen's um rivalry is, is a time-honored tradition in coronation street i definitely don't want them to ever get rid of that but you know they, they talk a lot about in comedy about whether you're punching up or down and punching down isn't is not great and punching up can be funny yeah, and you so, can't get much lower than Gail in the last few years. I if, mean, the problem is, she. I, I've not particularly found Gail to be, you know, that sad by this. I mean, Nick and David were pretty much laughing about the fact that Ted was dead well, a few weeks ago. I've not seen Gail particularly joke, upset about it. The joke was kind of that, that, the, that Ted was haunting them and Gail was taking it far too seriously. And if the if if um if I think if if um Ted hadn't been, you know, if I hadn't thought Ted was going to haunt them, I think that was a bit in bad taste. But it was it was pandemic haunting reasons. Tim, wasn't it? Yeah, but but also the fact that they were, they were didn't care what Gail thought and they, you know, if they had had the same things but they were hiding it from Gail and they didn't want Gail to find out and there was a bit of tension, it would have actually been maybe a bit funny. But because they were basically standing there as Gail's watching them trashing the wreath and and like trying to make out that she's just being mardy for no reason and you know gurning about the fact that her dead dad's gonna haunt them in this hearse just not really can you see how yeah, the joke yeah, yeah, yeah. because the 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 object you know the 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 punchline of the joke was gail the bereaved yeah and tim the imbecile i don't think i don't know about i don't know about that that's, I'm just saying to yeah. you, but th- I think this is why it didn't land, and, and why people who found who might have given it a pass couldn't really forgive it, mm. because it was making fun of people in mourning, inadvertently. Because I don't think they really thought about what the focus of the joke was, and they certainly didn't come up with anything that was interesting or hasn't been done many times before. Mm. I, I I did think that the Tim thinking that. Ted was a ghost thing was really out of character. Well, that that was particularly and ridiculous stupid. to me. Right, so we had we had. I mean, there's been quite a few like you know there we had got Leanne and her psychic contacting the dead there. We had Tim um, thinking that he was being haunted by by Ted this week. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to sort of be too po faced about people's beliefs and stuff, 
And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, well, they make fun of people that believe in ghosts and I'm offended because I don't think I really believe in ghosts and I'm not offended. But, you know, some people do believe in spirits and psychics and things. And I think that Coronation Street has to be a bit careful about what they're saying about these things. I, I, I think, I think like, thing, I'm going to say 80% just... of people think psychics are fake but there are a percentage of people who do believe they're real and I think as long as they're not hurting anybody and taking money off of people like the psychic was in, the, in Leanne's story I think you should just let them get on with it because I don't think it's any different from any other set of beliefs or religion I think it's you know if you boil down everybody's religions in, into the ba- most basic of, of beliefs it, it's all weird I just, I just think that, yeah, the, the, the worst bit, the bit that didn't land the most for me was Tim being wound up enough by Steve that he would think that Ted was scratching at the sides of the coffin. It was also the way that nobody was giving any respect to the fact that this was actually a man's funeral. See, I didn't particularly mind that because I, I think maybe if it had been a beloved character, and it was I'm weird because it was the far, it was the funeral of a very long term and beloved character. I don't know, character. we don't care about Ted. Not particularly, seen him for years. exactly. People watching this show don't even know who Ted is. I've never seen him before. Mm. Listen, what I'm saying to you is, there's a way to make a funeral funny that doesn't make people bummed out. Yeah. About them taking the mick out of the dead person and the person who's upset. I think if you boil it down to it as well, it was really just kind of a vehicle for more Gail and Eileen antagonism, which I still, which I think, although I don't want it, I don't want it to go forever. It's feeling a bit tired. That felt a bit like rinse and repeat. And the, 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 the arguments that they were having, <laughs> <Vincent> repeat. <laughs> the, the arguments that they were having in the street, just shouting up, it just felt like, we've well, seen this before. at the end before. of the week, they, they were just like, you know, it was like somebody wrote the script who hated all the characters and thought they were all stupid. Anyway, right. It, fe- it felt to me a bit like you had, you know, Gail and Eileen arguing was like a bulldog barking at one of those derpy chihuahuas in the street. Why do you say chihuahua like that? You always say it. Chihuahua. chihuahua. <laughs> you always say it like chihuahua. that. Chihuahua. And uh, Chihuahua. I just feel sorry for, for them having to... Uh, Look, anyway, Monday is, is when... <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this. Eileen and George are meeting up in the street and, and this was weird. Like, Eileen this week just... I don't know what's wrong with her. She's fine with George on Monday and she's even helping him to organise this because George is like... He's taken over the family business. Clearly means a lot to him, but not so much that he's going to get cover for his employee. And can I just point out as well, this is not like a a short-term, he's out for the day I need a replacement driver. This is a guy who's got, like, drink drink driving. Yeah. He literally can't drive ever again. You shouldn't employ him back. No. His licence has been suspended. You need somebody full-time, mate. Don't just employ a rando from a taxi cab company. I also want to know, like, how many funerals does he do? How often does he do them? He obviously like, not yeah, busy like, at the one, moment. One this week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, and also, if we're going to talk about pandemics and people who have been expected to rise to the occasion and work hard against, you know, bad odds, a funeral director is probably one of the most forgotten professions in the in the whole pandemic they've been working really hard really unpleasant Mm. circumstances like completely new set of rules i would imagine with how to handle the body you can't really sit with the grieving you can't touch them you can't sort of give them a pat on the shoulder 
it must be horrible that mm. you're talking to people that haven't seen their relatives because they couldn't go to the hospital sometimes and and so so George is kind of the representative of this profession in the in Coronation Street I mean he's just he was just as stupid as everybody else I don't think he was he, he got mad about it but it's like what did you think was going to happen he's like oh you've you've um you've ruined my reputation what as somebody who can't hire a driver <laughs> I don't think they're making George out to be you know as clueless he well, he, he seemed to be the most like the level headed well, he was out mad of the at whole them world. for what they did but he shouldn't have let them do it in the first place you could see that Tim and Steve were being idiots yeah right so so Eileen's like don't worry Tim Tim's gonna drive the car the hearse and he's gonna look smart and he's got himself a suit so she goes to tell Tim he needs to get this suit and he's like, oh, I didn't realise. And she says, look, I want George to be how impressed so that they'll use us again. Why would you, why would, why would this be something that you, what is it called, <laughs> contracted know. out? I don't know. So Tim's like, oh, you just fancy him. And so they start arguing, Steve and Tim start arguing because they both want to drive the hearse. They both turn up, they both got suits on, they both want to drive the hearse. Steve's completely forgotten he's bereaved. Um, as has Tim. As has Tim, who's who recently lost his father, more recently than Steve lost his kid, <laughs> and George is like, oh well, I guess I'll. The only way to do this is to give you both a trial drive. So they go off. Steve and George go off, and um, he was Steve was driving too fast, and he was whistling and singing and tapping his fingers, which is inappropriate. But I'm just going to point out the 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 corpse isn't going to dob on him. <laughs> If anybody can do appropriate, inappropriate singing, it's the guy driving the hearse. Nobody else is sitting in there with him. I think it's, you know, the impression. Well, yeah, he's going to be at the front of the parade, isn't he? Yeah. Procession, it's called, when it's a funeral, not a parade. <laughs> funeral parade. <laughs> he, yeah, he's in front, you're not watching him. I mean, as long as he's not dapping his head back and forth, like, yeah. With my Win- hair window down, on. radio on. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the, his his performance subpar, which I'm sure he's heard before. Tim, um, Tim has a go. He wins, and Eileen's like, "You've got to do a good job because I really care about this today." But tomorrow, I genuinely won't give a crap. So on Wednesday. It's the funeral. funeral. This was a really nice scene at the beginning of Wednesdays. This was the shining light in this this story. I know, to but me. this is the, why it made week, it worse really, in a way. There was, it was just a really nice family moment with first Gail and Audrey there, and they got their little wicker basket, uh, wicker basket, wicker coffin in the in the lounge of number eight, and they're just having some nice kind of bondy times, really. Um, and then Gail, uh, David walks in and he's like looking at his phone and does a double take when he sees the coffee there. He's like, oh no, I'm not having this in there. I, d- I it's thought not your that house, was. David. I, I know, exactly. I just thought it was um, yeah, really nice stuff. That that was. Well, this is. Those, the, those this three is characters like makes were it, this thrilled is together. Why it kind of makes it worse because they, Audrey was really upset as well. And, you know, everyone's grieving. If it had been, you know, the funeral of somebody that everyone hated or. Somebody that would have found the whole thing funny, mm. it would have been slightly different. But as far as I remember, Ted was a very nice guy, but I don't think he was a practical joker. No. No. You know, if this was Steve's funeral, it would be hilarious <laughs> if he ran the wreath over and fired the person. I want to know where this Andrew was during all of this as well, Ted's partner. This is Why the was thing. the funeral here right. and not in London? This for is the one thing, thing that gets where me. Where was the, the bereaved why is husband his, or boyfriend yeah, or whatever? Where, where's his partner? And why is it here? He was mentioned, wasn't he? But I would have thought they might have cast somebody. They didn't it's even probably, have to 
mad about the fact that he's now poor because his partner's left all of his money to his simpering yeah. daughter. He's not <laughs> sane for years. So, um... Well, he went through most of his life not seeing her. Then he came in for a few years and then he bogged off, off again. again. Girls could have done quite well with her. Gail says, nothing will spoil the day. And so it's all her fault. Steve comes in and he's making fun of, of Tim's outfit. And then they start talking about, oh, you're going to drive a wrinkly corpse around. And it grows. I didn't like this either because I thought was, that was really mean. Ted was pretty wrinkly and that was but 10 he, years ago. I know, but so... but. Oh. For God's sake. <laughs> that, I just thought that was rude. Um, and he said, oh, someone I know who drove a hearse once and he had heard knocking on the coffin. You'd have to have a pretty strong knock to be able to make a noise like that coming out of a wicker coffin. It'd be worse. It'd be like scraping. That's, yeah, scraping. Scraping down the sides. Um, oh, I thought I was reading what you wrote and I was like, the chickens drive the coffin. Tim chickens out of driving the coffin. <laughs> He gets so in there, he he's having a look. Yeah, because Steve's really done a massive, a really good job of um, getting inside his head. And so George says, oh, Tim's just, have, he's got dodgy guts, so don't worry, we've got a backup. And she says, I'll drive. And I can't believe that everybody was okay with this and Eileen didn't see the issue and why Gail might not like this. I don't know why well, Eileen says... there was no says, other choice, apparently. Don't do it, please, thank you very much. George is fine about it. He can't seem to read face facial expressions because if he looked at Gail he'd see that she wasn't keen on this um the, I thought that was what I think it was one of those no, things that, that at stupid. the end of the day who else would do it apart from him no, which could have just been him to begin with to be honest no, no sorry it's stupid he should have driven it um you don't you don't employ somebody's arch nemesis who hates them to drive the hearse of their dead father it's just a friendly rivalry, it's so fine. So this wreath that had been made has been propped up against the back of the hearse. Eileen, first of all, she drives off really quickly forwards and then she reverses it and runs over the, the wreath. Um, and it, she's completely wrecked it. And Gail's very upset. I did give a little laugh when that happened. She wants uh, to bury Ted with dignity and George decides to drive, which could have been the solution at the beginning, couldn't it, George? You simpleton. Tim is still worried about the fact that he's going to be haunted. I, d- I just found this weird because his dad was also wrinkly in a coffin. He didn't go to his funeral either, though, did he? But you know what I mean? Yeah. And and presumably, he'll be wrinkly and dead in a coffin if it all goes to plan. <laughs> That's what, isn't that the, the goal? Yeah. To end up dead and wrinkly? Wrinkly in a coffin. Yeah. So, um, Eileen comes to the cafe. She's livid because Steve, Steve and... Um, Tim have been disrespectful, but I think she's just more mad that George is mad because I don't think she cares. Gail goes to see George and she's moaning that Eileen spoiled the day and she says, you better leave, you better not go near her again because she's crazy. So in the Rovers later, um, Steve's like, oh, do you know what, Eileen? It's really great to have a good laugh again, isn't it? I'm glad we have this funeral. Yeah, things have been a bit, you know, a bit rubbish since Ollie thing- died a couple of months ago and that, and Jeff popped his clogs beginning of December. This is the first laugh we've had. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really that nice to lighten right, the mood with a with a nice bit of hearse. Yeah, isn't it nice when somebody else dies for a change that you're not related to? <laughs> um, so they like she's like, yeah, okay, you've had a rough year. George comes in, absolutely humiliated, and has a go at Eileen and says, "I'm done with you." And then she's like, she gets mad and hates him for the rest of the week, which is only one day. See, the thing that even confused me there is. Done with her in what 
what what did you know done with her in what capacity professional i mean he should have hired her in the first place to be his blooming hearse driving consultant it made it sound like he was dumping her but they they weren't actually going out (laughs) to be honest i i she was clearly acting like she didn't care and like an idiot from the get-go here she didn't. She hasn't betrayed his his confidence or his trust or anything. She was like acting like a moron the whole time. How can he act as though? How can he be so surprised and upset that she turned out to be just as stupid as she was pretending to be? <laughs> so on Friday, Gail's still miffed. George is still miffed. But she's got a distraction, has our girl, because she's got Granny Fanny, and she is finding out. That sounds like some kind of. That's a diagnosis. Come see Dr. Gaddis, I'm afraid you've got a case of the Granny Fanny Gale. <laughs> Michael, we agreed that we were above laughing at Fanny. <laughs> I mean, we're the one that that came up with the insert your penis into the Coronation Street <laughs> quote. Right, so she's... Well, it's equal opportunities, isn't it? Corrie's inserting Fanny's all over Coronation Street and we do it the other one. Um, she is, she's discovered that she... that. Granny Fanny may have had a connection with Churchill. Wow. Um, <laughs> Why wasn't that on the front page of the Stone magazine this week? Yeah. Uh, Gail to answer for um, uh, Churchill's war crimes in India. And a picture of Gail going, oh, wasn't me. On front, yeah. Uh, so Eileen's hungover. I don't know where this came from either. She must have like turned to the bottle when she realised that things with George weren't going quite to plan, or she thought it was great and she got drunk with Steve. I don't know. Um, George comes in and they make up after Eileen apologises, and Gail comes in, finds them together, and says, "Oh, we're going to the library to look up Fanny." <sighs> Eileen speaks to Audrey and says, um, "I'm worried about." Um, yeah, she she said, <laughs> not not what my notes are here. She she is concerned with. Who's she concerned about? Eileen is concerned with Gail's relationship status with Jaws, with Jaws, <laughs> George, because she she fancies George and she but, doesn't like Gail hanging around with him. But I don't understand again. her man before this, she gets the chance. This it's has no logic. Gail and Audrey. Um, Gail but what and was Eileen? Michael, what was man. Audrey? What was Eileen telling Audrey to be concerned about? What was she, she saying? She's saying, I don't like Gail sniffing about George. He's a... I don't know. I don't remember what... It doesn't make any sense why Audrey would have anything to do with this or care what Eileen had to say. Is it to do with the fact that they're related? She says, sod it. <laughs> That's what it sounded like she said. She walks off saying, so- stop it, but it sounds very much like she's saying, sod it, Eileen, which at that point I was <laughs> I think that was just thing. Sue Nichols was saying, how about it with this script this, this week? I had, I had six months off Coronation Street this year and this is what they bring me back to. Sod it, I'm going home. <laughs> Gail and George come back from the library. They hit a dead end with their research, but they did find out it was not the same Churchill. You couldn't believe, but there was more than one. Yes, it was at Fred Churchill. Was that right? I don't know. I think, know. I think it was. What's Churchill's name? Winston. That's it. <laughs> uh, you tell you what, though, if she was an heir to the, to a church, the Churchill fortune, that's Blenheim Palace, isn't it? That's where yeah. he was raised. That's a bit of a chunk of property mm. to to be in, inheriting. Um, Eileen comes out, and then they just have this vacuous argument about 
uh, where Gail, well, Eileen is being very, very childish and stupid, and um, Gail's saying things like, oh, you're just like a bad smell, why are you here? And Eileen's like, I was doing my shopping, which is like a very good comeback. And then Eileen's like, ew, your cousins, ew, it's incest, yay, gross. You, you're you're gross basically like that was it audrey comes along and jo- and they're all not they're all like having a go and george is telling trying to tell them to shut up they're ignoring him and then eventually he says what nobody could have predicted and that is that he wants to be friends with both of them normally a scene like this would end with him going you know what i'm fed up with a lot of you i don't care if i never see any of you again and then they both look at each other and go oh no what have we done and then they have to reunite they have to unite together to try and win him back and pretend that they'll never argue again yeah the thing is at least it didn't go down that road but i don't know why he wants to be friends with these people they're clearly emotionally unstable would yeah. you would you see two women in in the street going you smell you're you you're having sex with your cousin and go I'm really lonely <laughs> that's my excuse I just want a friend yeah they just had like a chance meeting a few months ago didn't they and now they're like his only friends has he not got any other friends I don't know I feel really sorry for George if this is the best that he can get he seems like a decent guy mm. so. Um, let's talk about this. We were kind of already, we've gone over the main points about the funeral, so I don't think there's, there's much more to be, get out of that. Although I would say something else that somebody pointed out I saw on the internet was this was probably filmed like within weeks of Mark Eden's death as well, which maybe made it even worse for Sue Nichols to have to, Did to have to go through. Did she actually do this after he had died? I think, I so think Mark so. Eden is her husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Well, they're, they're all thereabouts. So, um, that this was really, that's worse. really sad, but you know. Yeah, she's a she is a professional. Um, no, it was. I don't know. There's not. There's not a lot. There's not much oh, more to say because, like really... you said, it was all vacuous. You were you were right in that the the funeral morning with the scenes with Gail and Audrey were some of the best of the week because I really like the fact that Audrey's there going oh oh poor poor Ted oh it'll be me next and Gail's like. Yeah, probably. And she's like, oh, no, don't say that. Oh, no, that was... oh. I thought that was really silly because it was, this is what, that is funny. See, that's funny. Yeah. Because nobody's the butt of the joke, really. And 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 Audrey didn't take it badly. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, it's just she not wasn't being, being mean. stupid. Courage just thinks that they can make people act like idiots. And yeah, honestly, we'll there was like mass lobotomies going on. It was like they were yes. giving out COVID jabs good, and lobotomies Good comedy is about people being, you know, quick-witted and sharp. And, Coronation Street you know, can be really good at witty, sarcastic jokes and banter. And this wasn't banter. This was just like, you could, if you want to hear this kind of thing, I guess maybe people are starved of it because the pubs are closed at the moment. But if you go into town on a Friday or a Saturday night, you can hear arguments very much like this outside of almost any pub mm. in any, any city or town centre across yeah. the country people shouting oh you smell oh you, you're, you're you're friends with your cousin I mean, an- another and I thing think that, it's weird although maybe this is just somebody being stupid another line that I liked was when um, George referred to t- uh, Steve as uh, Lewis Hamilton and Steve said cheers mate but I suppose that is uh, him being stupid I mean stupid that's a pretty as well. low bar for the best comedy line of of um, yeah. Steve and Tim's week. So, um, yeah, where... this was really, it was, it really felt as though somebody was like, we have, I've written this genius comedy funeral 
we have to do it, even though, number one, the timing's really inappropriate. Number two, one of our actresses has just lost her husband. Well, number the three, thing is, it would have been lost. It, would char- have been it doesn't matter. Number three, the characters are all bereaved. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is so, so funny and the lines are so great that I have to, we have to put it in. There was nothing redeeming about this that is like, oh, yeah, I can see why they put it in even though it wasn't really the right time. I think that they're also thinking, oh, we're going to get Gail and Eileen fighting again. The fans love that. Remember that remember that fight that Gail and Eileen had? Do you remember the rest of the village see, people fight? Everybody fine. loves that. I know, I like them arguing, but this was just made them both look like... I Kids. just think it was trying to get you to remember to times hard. when it was, when it, when it worked better. It just and also, didn't work. What, yeah, there's so many things that are puzzling about this. Why is George so intensely um, worried about his friendship with these Harridans? Well, does he fancy also, either of them? I don't yeah, know. I, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that George is going to end up with one of them, and surely it's not going to be Gail. I think that I think in, you know, given the right circumstances, George and Eileen could make quite a good team. Well, probably. I don't think I'd, that I'd put Gail them together over anywhere George. Else. No, I don't think she does as well. I don't think he fancies her. No. Um, uh, and I think and maybe he does fa- with Eileen because he he see I think yeah. he was particularly disappointed with how things turned out on Wednesday because maybe he was holding a bit of a torch for Eileen and she's uh, yeah she's let him down but I think he's going to eventually you know, open back up to her and you know by by the year's end she'll have got into the Undertaker's underpants. <sighs> okay, what, look, if you date somebody who runs over a wreath in your hearse when you've asked them to do you a favour, then gets out the car and shouts at you. And it's, then you date them. You're asking for everything uh, you ha- get. Half the Corrie relationships start with somebody insulting or upsetting somebody. Mm-hmm. It's a bit different to splash somebody with your van uh, in, a with your, in a puddle, isn't it? Yeah. Than, than running over a, her, um, a wreath mm. in front of a grieving family. With the um, with the Fanny stuff, I'm kind of wondering where that's going as well. This is so what that I'm all seems about. a little bit pointless as well. Like going, there's going to be some you wait real we... proper major family revelation. What could there possibly be? The thing What's is, the, the benefit thing is, of oh, yeah. having them related to each other? Or is it just... I, Normally, it would be, turns out I'm the heir to the, the fanny fortune. But it can't be, because we literally just inherited money. Yeah. It can't be that. That would just be weird. So what is it going to be? Like, I don't know. I can't think of anything that I'd really be that interested in. It, it might be one of these things that's like, oh... Um, you know, Eileen is related to Elsie Tanner. Isn't that funny kind of thing? It's just as a little reference. And then everyone I don't goes, know. And I'm going, oh. I thought but, we already thought this. I don't. But I mean, George has been brought in as a regular character. So they're obviously not done with him yet. But I, I, let, let's move on. I, I think enough has been said about this story. Um, yeah, it, it fell flat. I'm just going to say as well... Um, we moaned a lot about it and um, it's difficult. It is difficult to get comedy right. Um, I'm not going to moan at them for that. But and I will also say, if, you, 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 if you're even offended by the concept, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to enjoy watching many... There's going to be... This, this is going to, if George is in it for the long haul, there yeah. will be no end of funny anecdotes about funerals. It's going to be a bit like Blanche when she was going off to funerals because she liked them and she'd come back and give you her critique of them. Yeah, you don't it's bring in an undertaker be, and then not mention it. Isn't it. There's going to be mentions of funerals f- uh, uh, for the duration of his mm. 
you know, appearance on Coronation Street. Yeah. Right, let's... And like I said before, it doesn't offend me at all. I think I think there can be... You can have a really funny scene at a funeral, but it's because the focus was so on, so much on the person who died and then also Gail. You can't then switch to, ha, 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 we ran his wreath over. <laughs> Take that, Ted. Simon, what's he been up to this week? He's, he's pretty knocked after uh, what went on last week. Um, and then he, he goes into work and Jacob tells him that he's going to sort him out a new phone, which is lovely. Um, Simon kind of picks up the vibes from Jacob that he doesn't quite think he's hard enough. But then he tells him that he used to be in the grey hoodie gang, actually, and he, he nearly went to prison. So um, I'm fine. I'm, yeah. Uh, Jacob does look a little bit worried about this fact. And I thought that that was probably to do with the fact that if... There, if he and the big boss man are planning on using Simon as their undercover sneaky drug smuggler, he can't have anybody that's, you know, got a prison record or the whole thing with his county lines is that they have these, um, yeah, these people that are going to go under the radar. And then when Simon says, oh, I just robbed an old lady, <laughs> Jacob's like, oh, that's fine. So, yeah, he brings in this... Um, I think he was more like intrigued like oh he's a goon no I, I don't know i don't i don't think it was anyway he gets him a new phone which apparently got five stars reviews it doesn't get we don't know what that phone is um but then simon is chuffed with this and jacob also offers him some drugs to help him relax so later on simon goes home and leanne has to quickly turn up for a crystal weber psychic program when the, when he comes through the door she spots his phone straight away and and he says oh yeah i got it for being employee of the week which she fortunately does see right through because she's not that dense. But at the end of the day, he says he doesn't care whether you believe, whether she believes him or not. Uh, and he goes off to his bedroom. Wednesday, we had a bit of Toya inserted into the story, which was lovely. She comes over to finally untidy in the flat because she's got a special visitor. Um, it's it's a psychic, an actual, not the actual, you know, Crystal Weber in person, but one of her helpers, maybe. It's somebody who's going to come round later and do a seance reading thing to see if... Um, See if they can uh, contact the spirit of Oliver and find out what's going down with him. Um, so this bloke comes round and he starts doing this. Uh, oh, yeah, Ollie is here. I can feel his presence. Oh, he says he loves you and he forgives you and everything. And Toya throughout this whole thing is just looking very, very sceptical. I thought that was quite funny. I also thought this was another incredible performance from Jane Danson. Oh, yeah, and she I think was a thrill. lot of people were more just annoyed at the idea that Carnage had a psychic in it again, because this is obviously a very controversial thing, and they were focusing on getting mad about the story, but the the actual the, performance yeah, of the, both the, both Leanne and Toya were both the the, the look on uh, Leanne's face, the just the relief, the, the... Oh, it was the way she cried when he said he forgave her. I thought, you know, I was watching it, and and Toya 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 kind of thought a little bit at this because she could see how happy it was mm. and it to me this is another case of it, it, it does it matter if it's real I don't understand if it, if you employ somebody who is a psychic presumably you're doing it under the understanding that in general people don't think psychics are real or you believe that they are real right so I so so you understand that that you either totally believe in it or you understand that, 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 you know, the jury's out on it, okay? And if you agree to pay somebody for a service under the understanding that they could be lying to you and then they tell you something that you quite, quite like, I don't see how you can get mad about it, honestly. I think... I don't like the idea so of people taking advantage. So do you think that Toya was advantage. wrong for butting yeah, in? Yeah, I do. I, I, think I don't she's... think people... I don't think it's right to take advantage of people who are grieving. I just want to make that very clear. 
I don't necessarily know what I think about, you know, paying somebody for this. I think if, you, if you've if you got the money and you want to... Because the end doesn't really. That's you, the thing, if, I think. But if you've got to give somebody the money for this and everybody's fine with it and it makes you... It gives you peace. I can't see what the difference is between this and, like, having a funeral service where everyone sings hymns and you have to pay money to the... To the you know what I mean? Like I think there's, that, there's always I think a transaction Toya, involved in the process of grieving. Toya knows that Leanne is going through these financial troubles at the moment, and I don't she think thinks. She does. I thought that she, I don't know whether she does, but in any case, she doesn't. She doesn't like to see her sister being fleeced. I don't think by it this was person. that. And uh, I, I think if think she hadn't nipped that. it in the buds, Leanne would have been getting this bloke to come round again and again and again. Probably. What's Ollie up to today? Yeah, could possibly. And yeah. so Toya's like, well, no, you you, you know I... about the red car because they got the car here. You know about the the petting zoo because we've got the photos of Heaton Park here pretending to be a petting zoo. Um, so, I don't know what were you gonna say. I don't think she was mad about the money. I think she just didn't like the fact that, that Leanne was being lied to. And that's and we, and I'm going to say as well, that's a perfectly valid um, way to react to it. What? To, to, to be mad and say you're lying. There's no way that you, you know what... There's no way you're psychic. There's no way you're in touch with the other side. You're lying. I understand and I totally, you know, sympathise with people who think that. That's totally valid. It's also totally valid to say, yeah, here's 50 quid. Thank you for, for giving me a psychic reading. I think if you're going to get mad about psychics, you've got to get mad about every religion because it's all belief. Well, then, but this guy doesn't end What's up... What's the difference between this guy and Billy with his um, collection plate at the end of a service going, Jesus loves you, give me five pounds? Uh, uh... I don't. I know you. I know you th- because you have your beliefs. You think that one thing is true and the other thing isn't. But from the outside, they're all just yeah. No, made I up. get that. I get that. So you know, you've got you've got to be consistent with it. Nobody knows. No, no, I know, I know, I know. And this is there's a difference between. I think that tricking we're... somebody and and taking advantage of them and do it because what I thought he was doing was giving her peace like if he was saying to her yes yes um Ollie's here he says he he can't speak now but he will come back next week or you know I think with somebody like with Billy or any religious leader like that they don't believe that they're tricking the people that they're collecting money from but somebody like this psychic knows that they're they're just making it up as they go along and they're purposely being fraudulent about it um can I just tell you there was a psychological experiment. There's a book called You're Not So Smart. And this is what I was talking about. Was it subjective validation? And there was a a guy who did cold readings, psychic cold readings. Uh, He was a psychologist and he was doing it as an experiment. Mm. And he got to the stage at which he was so good at this that he actually started to think that he had psychic powers. Hmm. So I'm telling you that you can actually convince yourself that you are psychic. Well, the one the thing that at the end of this made me think that this guy definitely knows that he's conning them is when he didn't ask for any money. He says, oh, I wouldn't want to take any money from you. I've never tried to con anyone like this. And for me, that's just him saying, well, if I don't, I'm not going to take any money now. And then you're going to reflect on that later and think, oh, he didn't take any money. No, Maybe he I is genuine. Completely did. No, and no, so no. That, and so no. let's try him again. because So no. I, th- I think that was just, you know, playing the long game. I'm not going to take any money now. Yeah, but they'll be back on the phone because they'll, they'll believe. Me. No, I had completely the opposite. 
I thought it was like, I'm not going to take money off of someone who's upset and thinks I'm lying. Well, we'll, we'll we will see, won't we? <laughs> I don't know whether he's going to be back again. But, it but feels... at the end of the day, listen, can I just say, no matter how this story goes, and this is the same for everything on Coronation Street, it doesn't prove or disprove anything about the reality of the situation. No. If this guy turns out to be a massive fraud and he was doing it all, all along on purpose and he is an evil vampire that wants to steal money off people, it doesn't mean that there can be people who say that they are psychic, believe that they are psychic and empathic and want to do it to help people but also oh, need yeah, to yeah, pay yeah, their definitely. bills. And I'm not going to criticise them any more than I'm going to criticise a vicar or an, or an imam or anybody else. Yeah, I, who, I just who think believes that... something that is an established belief system that other human beings also believe in because I don't know any more than anybody else does what the truth is. To me, this medium came across as a bit of a shady fella. But so listen, we're... you can lie about being psychic the same as you can lie about Jesus. But like I said before, Billy doesn't think he's lying and I think that this psychic knew that he was lying. I think that you'll find that the several points uh, Billy had a bit of a crisis of faith. <laughs> he has it. He has at times. That's very, very true. So, so what Maybe is he then, a fraud? Maybe this other guy's like, I don't think I can be a psychic anymore. Oh, what should I do, Jesus? Anyway, Jesus they, like, I don't know. Mate. They send him on his way. Um, and Toya has another little crisis uh, uh, later on about, oh, what shall I do? Because she sees Simon um, with one Jacob. Thing, can I just say oh, one on. more thing? Go on. Is that if I was Toya, I would probably feel differently about it. Why? I'd probably be like, get out of here, you you creep. <laughs> uh, Toya sees Simon, Jacob, and this other girl. I don't know if we'd seen her before, but I don't know what the point of it was. And they've got this massive spliff, and they're in Victoria Gardens. And, uh, and Kelly's there like... as well, having a go at them. Toya's standing there going, do I intervene here, or do I do the same as when I knew that Ali was on drugs and I didn't say anything about it then? Oh, she's like, Everything oh, turned out fine for him, didn't lesson. it? I think I'll stay quiet about this one. This reminds... So this giant jazz cigarette that they had that looked like a trumpet um do you think this is like when you'd make counterfeit money for movies and you have to like stamp like this is not real money on it so it doesn't get used when you make a little toy gun and you have to put an orange bit on yeah the end. it's like we have to make this look like a comically enormous see i was watching it and i was going is 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 that what they're like? I don't know. I've never seen one in real life. Nobody's ever. No, nobody. We're not cool enough I've to never... even be offered. I, I, I literally have no, had no experience with a joint in real life, so maybe <laughs> they are that big. And Did just you every really other... think that? I didn't know. They maybe look stupidly huge. Maybe that's how the kids are doing them these days. Do you, I reckon I, what I, happened was the prop department guy was like, "I'm going to make this giant, <laughs> giant." Um, doobie <laughs> and i'm gonna make it really really it's looks, a double-sized doobie i'm gonna make it massive and see and as a joke and then he gave it to them and everyone was like i'm not gonna say that's too big so i'll know that i'm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at this perfectly normal oh, wow well, how did you make it, it look exactly so genuine like i don't I know heard. i've never seen one before <laughs> <laughs> this must be what they look like and the props guy was like all right <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth my time. Anyway, it had to be that big so that Toya could see it from across the side of the street. Toya standing there the side of the of the um near the what's it called? Tram stop. Tram shop squinting again. What is that? It's got there. <laughs> Why has he got that <laughs> giant rolled up piece of newspaper? Looks like he's got has he got a burrito? <laughs> Anyway, she she doesn't go and tell Leanne this, but she does say that she uh, she does go back home and tell her that she saw Simon hanging around Victoria Gardens with some dodgy looking teenagers. Uh, but Leanne doesn't really want to hear about that anymore. Um, she she's she she's she's not in in any mood to open that particular can of worms. 
Um, she's just happy to let Simon get on with whatever it is he's doing, which gets worse on Friday. Because Simon um, goes out to... Um, Oh, no, he's invited to go for a bike ride with Sam, isn't he? There was a bit, was it this week or last week, where Nick was saying to Simon, oh, you should hang around with Sam more because you're similar in age. <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I don't think they really are. Like, yeah, I, do you remember when you were a kid and, like, being forced to hang around with other people's children and, like, even just one year's worth of age difference? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a big kid. I'm scared. <laughs> um, but Simon cannot because he says he has a thing after work. But, um, no, he when... says he has a thing for work. I don't know why he didn't just say, I've got work. No, I thought he said he's got a thing after work. I don't know, anyway. But, well, um, it was a lie, either way. Outside the chip shot later, Sam comes over with his bike and his helmet and he harangues Simon until he relents and is like, fine, now we're going to bike ride with you. But he can't because Jacob turns up in his posh car and gets Simon to get in there. They've got a job to do. Um, and Simon's kind of like, oh, I can't, I'm looking after my my kid. I'm looking after my... Yeah, what? Fake mum's boyfriend's estranged son. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and Sam's like, it's okay, I'll stay here on my oh, own. Mind. How long was Sam hanging on outside the chip shop for? Do you think he was like begging for chips? Oh, it's probably why he was there. He's yeah. like a little pigeon. <laughs> um, so he get, he gets into the car, zooms off, and um, and then Sa- Sam realises that Simon's forgotten his bag, and I'm getting so fed up of that particular trope rearing its head. People rushing off to places and forgetting things. Have they tried looking They're on the top? bloody always doing that on Coronation Street. It's usually phones, but, yeah, I, I, people need to be more careful with their things. If you've, if you've gone somewhere in Coronation Street in a rush and left something behind, check on the top of the bin. Mm? Why? Because it might be on the top of the bin. Okay. Um, anyway, so um, Simon and Jacob go and they're going to rough this guy up. Is it somebody that's been working for them or something? I think and, I um, recognise him. He's he's stolen from them. So oh. um, so Jacob says to Simon, "We're going to mess him up." Yeah. And then he comes walking down the road, and um, and then they they give chase. Well, wait a minute. Look, he's like to say Simon's like going, "Oh no." I don't sign up for messing people up. I thought we was doing a drugs deal and buying more trumpets that make your head go funny. And and like, can I just point out that the the utter stupidity of Jake is it who's it Jacob? Yeah. Taking Simon as his heavy and backup. How much of a wimp is Jacob that he thinks Simon is going to make any real difference to his ability to 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 mess somebody up. <laughs> if I was looking for a goon, I wouldn't say Simon would be my first choice. But this guy that they were messing up wasn't particularly, um, well, you know, that, that intimidating either, was he? So they, they see this guy, jump into their car, give chase. Um, <laughs> I think that the scenes tonight showed the limitations of some of the outdoor street sets that they have on Coronation Street because um, they, they race past um, the little arches outside the rovers. So Sam sees them drive off. And then they end up down the end of Kitchener Street. But I don't think we were supposed to think it was there. I know. They were, like, driving really fast <laughs> up and down the road. It's like... Um, oh. And I, I quite like that scene, actually, where um, Simon realises he's getting a bit in, in, in 2D where, when uh, Jacob says to him, right, we're going to start a little bonfire here. Go and get the petrol, Simon. And Simon's like, bloody hell, are we going to oh, set no. this guy on fire? But it just turns out that he was going to make him think that thing and says, and uh, Simon has to get a bottle of water and check it over him. And, and then once Simon realises he's just, you know, scaring this guy, he, he gets quite into it, really. 
It was hilarious because, like, they were they were like really getting into it and and acting like they were being really sinister and scary. But actually, all they were doing was slapping on the bonnet. Oh yeah, but if you're and in the there... guy, who was scared. But it was like it, they managed to kind of make it look okay. But seriously, when if you just stop and think to yourself, I'm just watching two adolescent m- men slapping a car. No, I think and if I'd been water on it. No, I, I think if I'd been in that situation, I'd I have didn't been say pretty, if I was in that situation. I'd have been a bit scared. I said when you're watching it. Maybe, maybe. Well, I've been, and the person who was watching it turned out to be Sam because he's chased after them with a the bike. And I think, as a little, however old you're supposed to be, ten year old, seeing these, in his eyes, grown ups doing this and seeing somebody jump out of a car and running for his life, I think I'm not surprised that Sam was intimidated by it as well, scared and, oh, yeah. and drove off with it. So he, so Sam's seen this. He, he rides off. Um, Jacob re- notices that Sam's got Simon's bag with, with a couple of bags of his gear in it. Oh, which no. Is street talk for drugs. Hash. And so, no, it's co- no, it was cocaine. Oh. It's coke. Uh, and Simon says, he says, Simon, you better go and get this I back. So Simon stuff. goes round to number eight. Um, where Nick answers the door and, and Sam, Simon wants to speak to Sam, who is pretending to be asleep on the sofa. I'll tell you what, he's doing a really good job because Nick was completely convinced. And rather than saying, Sam's got my bag, can I have my bag back, please? He just I goes know. home. He goes, okay. I didn't get that. No, Why I didn't he that ask for his bag? What the hell? Did he think that Nick was out on, give me your bag, but I'm going to root all the way through it first just yeah, to make sure never... it's definitely yours. You, can you, have you got any proof yeah. of this? Tell bag? Can you tell me what's, me what's in inside, it? please? Oh, bags of cork, <laughs> a cold pizza and some leaflets. <laughs> yeah, it was, literally, wasn't it? Um, so he says he's going to come back tomorrow. Um, so he goes back home, sticks on his headphones so you he doesn't so have to right. speak to You're so right. It's Leanne. utterly ridiculous because literally all he has to go is go, I just was looking for my bag. He was probably hung up on the coat rack just behind Nick. What the hell has he done with it? <laughs> I don't know. Is he, is he lying on the sofa hugging it or something? I don't know. Anyway, um, Jacob phones up Simon and gets him to come out on the balcony so he can have a loud telephone conversation um, for all the street to hear about. You got your you got your bag back? No, I'm going to get it on Monday. You better get it back or else. Oh, oh. what are you going to do? Fire me as your goon? He's going to rough him up. He's going to stick him in a boot and then pour oh, water on it and slap him on it. It's all front. I don't know. I think. I what think... did they do? What did they really do to this kid? They're so well odd. They they put him in a boot. Went slap slap slap. We're going to get you. Slap slap slap. Oh, here comes the petrol. Oh, I'm going to set fire to you. Right, go away. I think that by this point, Simon has heard enough stories about the big boss man to know that, you know, it, that things could have been a lot more serious and things could be serious for him if he gets in trouble for this well it seems like for your first offense you get you get slapped in a car i think i could cope with that um right so what what i, I quite enjoyed the drug stuff this week I, I honestly didn't mind it i thought it wasn't wasn't the worst part of this week i enjoyed <laughs> the fact that the gray hoodie gang got a shout out that was funny um i enjoyed um I, I still I still think that Jacob is quite a decent character, to be honest. I really I think like, the, I'm liking him The actor more. that plays him, I think he's doing a decent job. I think that um, 
yeah, I think I was very sort of dismissive of him at the beginning. Oh, he's another Cory Rentagoon who's just a boring copycat of yeah, all the other. Yeah, he's not. But he's like a proper psychopath, isn't he? Like he, the actor yeah. is really good of like, like his eyes kind of bulge out and he looks really unhinged. He's, doing and he's like, like, Simon, we're going to go mess him up. Yeah, he's, and he's quite menacing, isn't he? He's so yeah, and he's somebody who can, he, he, yeah, who flips into that. He he can come across as being just you know just normal and, and nice and chatty and matey, yeah, he does, but then yeah, when he true. and I he think can, it's because yeah. he's got he, he knows that um, he's got to because he he knows what the boss is like and he's and he'll he knows what the consequences could be for him if he doesn't he rough this guy up or um, you know get the bag back back or whatever. So I think um, I, I'm enjoying them. I'm going to say, um, at the beginning, I don't know what they do in America or Canada or anywhere else, but in the UK, at the beginning of, before they show the programme, you'll have the, what they call continuity announcer, will introduce the programme. And today, the person said, this can this contains scene, scenes of menace and peril. I thought it was threatened menace threatened today. Threatened menace. Um, and then he and then he says, Simon, da 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 da. And I couldn't hear because I started laughing because he <laughs> said threat and menace, and then Simon in the same sentence. But it wasn't Simon doing the threat and menace, and it no. was. Uh, but there was also old uh, what was his name Kai in the prison as well. Yeah, quite threatening. That but chat. also, um, sometimes Coronation Street will be introduced with this. This um, episode contains scenes that some viewers may find distressing, and we always go, Yay! <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's going to be a good one. What what so what's going to happen? Do you think that Sam is going to find the drugs? Do you think he's going to stay quiet about what he saw? I don't know. You know, sometimes right, we get to the end of a story, and you'll say to me, "Oh, what do you think is going to happen in this bit?" And I genuinely don't know because I'm I'm just have not thought about it because I'm not that interested. I'm not. I'm not like mega interested or eager on the edge of my seat to find out what I happened. Think it's next. Not I'm just like, kind of postulating. I'm not criticizing it too badly because, like you said, this was one of the most interesting things this week. But I will say, it it feels like it can't go anywhere that interesting to me. There's nothing. I don't like these kind of stories. I think they're they're always kind of predictable. It just. I, I, or like, I'm, it's not really. I'm kind of looking like, forward no to happens, seeing Simon. Like he, he's he's on the brink of. You know, getting into something a lot deeper and darker and 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 tougher for him, and I I reckon that Sam's probably going to be very withdrawn. I don't think he is going to say anything. He might start getting really depressed and weird. Yeah. Because honestly, I think a kid like Sam, who's very intellectual and um, emotionally intelligent, I think he would be quite traumatized hmm. by seeing that because oh, yeah, he he's would. never experienced anything he he must have been quite sheltered i think natasha's probably quite quite a sheltery kind of a protection kind of a mum yeah and um to see somebody that you had you know completely trusted and thought was part of your family doing something like that you'd be you would be traumatized yeah i wonder if nick's gonna start to wonder what's wrong with him and he might get very withdrawn but you know my question is do we really want to see another story where a character's been traumatized by something because everyone's traumatized at the moment <laughs> on coronation street and it's getting a bit samey getting a bit heavy is it well i mean you've got yasmin you've got johnny you've got leanne you've got johnny yeah all the drama um peter carla yeah everyone's a bit bummed out <laughs> Um, what yeah, we I need is a festival or something. I, I think that Simon's going to get the bag back. He, the, the drugs are going to stay safe for now. I think it's just going to be a little blip. But no, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. 
I, I can imagine the story maybe having a little break for a bit and then coming back and then getting worse or getting deeper or darker or something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, that was all right. That was all right, that story. Do you want to do the... Uh, anything else to add to that no, one? No. Peter? Me? You, you are doing the Peter story, I'm afraid. Right. Oh. On Monday... What? The problem with this... I was much more invested in the Peter story when it was to do with his alcoholism and his um, seizures and his um, having to you know, dose up on the on the little bit of booze and, and all well, that and an the next interesting... drink he could die. And now it's just gone back to the tried and tested relationship drama and who fancies who and people getting the wrong ideas about things. And it's This like, is the hey. trouble. Almost always... When you're do when you're doing a, a relationship drama and you've got to write six episodes a week about people having relationship dramas and it's you've been doing it for sixty years, you you get a bit stale and you get to the bit where you're just like and then he overheard something, then she tried to explain it and he wouldn't listen. Yeah. And that's basically all that he happened. He overheard something and he went off before he heard the rest of the conversation yeah. where she explained herself a bit better. And despite the fact that this couple are supposedly soulmates and have gone through the crap for each other and been there through thick and thin, almost every time they go through thick and thin, they have a bloody argument and a misunderstanding and then get back together again. you think they'd give each other the benefit of the doubt at this point, wouldn't you? But no. Mm. So on Monday, this guy Lucas, who's the one that he tried to make Carla run away with him and she refused, turns up at the factory and he's like, I've got an idea for knickers. Have you heard of these ones that have got a hole in the crotch? <laughs> he does not say that. He wants and to Carla's collaborate like, with yep. Also, we do edible ones as well, but they're just made out of those funny little elastic sweets that you can that kiddies have that have like the big I know the watch face. Um, so I find it quite uncomfortable actually that you would make well, edible nickels out knickers out of children's crotch sweets. Crotch on your watch. Crotch. No, watch on your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> what time is it? Time was on love. So anyway, um, Sarah's like, yeah, great idea. Um, uh, let's do a pitch to the boss, and. He says, oh, no, Sarah, sorry, it can't be you. I said Carla would do it. And I said she was great. And um, he thinks she, he thinks you're crap, is the insinuation Where there. Where did you and get he's not, that idea from? I know, and she's like, uh, well, <laughs> actually, I think you'll find that like I am actually the best one. And it's actually my factory. So um, I'll just let Carla do it because I'm delegating. <laughs> Sarah's like, so what's this about Lucas? And she says, oh, no. Um, he's not an ex. I don't care. I'll do the pitch. I don't mind. So she goes to see Peter and says, I'm going to Harrogate to do a pitch. And he says, what with Lucas, who's your ex? For, you've written from Cornwall, but it was Devon, Michael. I can't believe you would make such a mistake. He's, maybe that's what Peter said. Devonish. It is. It, maybe he did say Cornish because he was being rude. How dare he? It's like calling somebody from Manchester a Yorkshireman. Yeah. So he says... Um, Actually, he's not my ex, but I need to go. And um, he says, go on then, if you'd rather do that, I think. And he does, he says, fuck off then. If you don't want to stay here and help me with my jigsaw, you'd... <laughs> you've got a meeting in Harrogate you need to go to. Somebody... Uh, there was a really nice post that Ryan put on the uh, Coronation Duke blog this week about um, uh, the analogy and the similarities and uh, with Peter's jigsaw and saying, well, he's trying to piece his life back together oh, in the same way he's piecing his jigsaw together. Good so analysis. That, was, that was quite nice. And and his blanket is like the 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 embrace of familial warmth. Yeah. But someone used to get him a slanket because it's slightly more easy to do a jigsaw in it. <laughs> um. So she, so Lucas says, "Oh, I don't want things to be awkward." And she's like, "No, 
but it is. Ken s- says to Peter, you've got to stop moaning at Carla all the time. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I screwed up. And Ken says, yeah, we'll stop sitting there sulking with your jigsaw. <laughs> um, so Carla's, like, trying to sort this pitch out. And, and they're, like, having these weird things, like, you can't start a sentence with so. She didn't like that. No, she hates it. Um, and Peter comes in and says, and they're, so Lucas and Carla are talking, and then they the conversation turns to Lucas saying, how could you be happy with your alcoholic boyfriend? And um, don't you think that if you could have chosen this a life for yourself, you wouldn't have picked this? And Peter's standing there, like, with this giant box of red roses, going, oh, wonder what she'll say. And Carla says, yeah, well, maybe I wouldn't have picked this. And he goes, oh, she's mean. And walks off. And then Carla goes... And I, I will continue my sentence. I just had a little dramatic pause then because I thought I was going to do a bit of sick. To continue, Peter is my soulmate. And when it works, it works. And I'd never give up on him. And I love him. Even if he threw roses in the bin, which is quite coincidental because that is exactly what Peter's doing at mm-hmm. that moment. He's been in the roses and being a big old emo about it. Um, she, Carla goes to number one. Peter's all like moody and weird and passive aggressive and um, insults her and she just leaves. Well, she goes around to see Jenny and she's crying and she... And, Jenny says, oh, would you like a comedy scene with me and Daisy and some wine? And she says, oh, yeah, that sounds it great. It is a brilliant comedy moment of the week. Actually, Daisy trying to pretend to be Carla on the phone. This oh, is the best thing that Daisy's done right. since you're, her first episode. Yes, you're right. There were a couple of really good highlights this week. The The beginning of the funeral scene on Wednesday was very good. The The Leanne was a psychic and Toya scene was really good. And the, the drunk... Anything Dev does... Oh, yeah. He can do no wrong. Yeah, you're right. Maybe this wasn't such a crapshoot. No, it was. was... (laughs) So anyway, so they have, they decide to have a a good old drunk sesh with each other. And Sarah's got to go to Harrogate. So Jenny gets on the phone to Johnny and Daisy's just there being Daisy. You should dump him. Oh, get rid of all your men. They're rubbish. Oh, and they can all get completely drunk. And then Pete, they're all moaning. And then Peter starts to call Carla. And Carla's like, oh, I can't trust him. I'm really drunk. Someone's else got it. I just but not answer the phone. Oh, but I can't because he's really upset. Uh, and um, I can't go back because now I'm drunk. And so Jenny says, why don't you just stay over here? And then... She brings her out really as nighty, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> um, so they ignore the phone call. And then... Um, oh, it's a win- winciette. Something, like, yeah. dress. And then <laughs> she's like, Rita left it here. And Carla's like laughing. It's like, Rita wouldn't want you to wear that, Carla. <laughs> you should be honoured to wear her grundies. Yeah. Peter starts ringing again. And Jenny says, oh, don't worry about it. You'll leave a me- I shall leave a message. And Daisy says, oh, I'll just do an impression of you. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your phone. Picks it up, answers it. She's like, hello, Peter. She does a really good impression of, of Carla and then she get panics and throws the phone at no, Carla. No, I don't think that she does say that to Peter. I think that that oh, was okay. her pretend, that is what I would say. Okay, well, she she answers the she phone and throws it. it at Carla and she's like, oh my God. And so she answers the phone she's like, oh, Peter, how are you? I'm in a hotel by myself for sure. And Peter's like, this is suspicious. Well, he is because he's found out from Adam that Sarah's the one that's gone to Harrogate and not Carla. Yes. So he reckons well, he knows that she's he's, not there. he's there. She's there with uh, old lovely Lucas. Yeah, she's gone somewhere else, presumably. Not Harrogate, because that would be a kind of a silly thing to do, wouldn't it? Yes. 
Um, so on Wednesday, she's hungover. She she comes down and, and Jenny's like... She's doing her Pilates, isn't she, Jenny? Yeah, she is. Um, and, she, and she said, and she reminds Carla and Carla's like, oh my God, I've answered the phone, didn't I? Oh no, how am I going to lie to Peter? And so Peter, meanwhile, is telling Steve that Carla's been lying to him and he thinks that she was with Lucas. He confronts her and he, she says, I was with Jenny. Um, I wasn't with anybody else. And Peter goes, really? Because I heard what you said to Lucas yesterday about how you wouldn't pick me if you had a choice. And Carla says, look, you can't deny we've been through a lot together, but I really love you and I'm not going to call it a day on the relationship. Yeah, and then she, but then she oh, also... Oh, she's like, oh, it's all my fault. Yeah, she starts, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. I'm so toxic. It's like, it's Carla. like, both of them, one of them will be like, oh, I hate you. And the other one will be like, I oh, know, I'm useless. And then they'll make up and then the other one will say, oh, I hate you. And they'll be like, yes, I know, I'm useless. Like, they're both equally pathetic, mm. aren't they? They take it in turns. To be sad about how useless they are. Yeah, pitiful it is. It is pitiful. And Lucas turns up and Peter's like, oh, him again? Oh, I'm going. Oh, by Cornwall. And he's like, ah, oh, rude. <laughs> which way, where do you, which way, which what way do you, do you buy your scones? Go, how, where, where, where does the jam go? Where does the jam go? Um, Lucas tells Carla, oh, guess what? It went really well. We're going to sell those crotchless edible panties that we were talking about. Would you like a coffee to celebrate? And she says, no, thank you. You've ruined my life because Peter heard us talking yesterday and all those stupid questions that you were asking me. Really inappropriate in a business meeting, actually. Do you know what? I shouldn't have even answered the question because we were supposed to be boning up for a meeting, not boning each other. And Lucas is like, oh, well, sounds like it's a bit of a crap relationship, really. Why don't you come and have a chat with me whenever you like? Because I, I know lots of things about crap relationships. And she's like, great, thanks. And that was the end of that. Fortunately, we didn't get any of that on Friday because I found that very boring this week. Although I was kind of glad to see Lucas again because when he was in it before, I thought he was quite a decent character. I thought the actor was, I know, fairly seemed, charming. Yeah. Which yeah. that's the point, isn't it? He's supposed to be this you know, Tempting temptation guy for who's actually got. Listen, somebody who sorted it is, his life out. Lucas obviously likes Carla because she's a good-looking lass, right? And, and she's scullable because she keeps falling for Peter's nonsense. So he thinks he can get a few good shags out of her, probably. But the drama involved in being Carla's boyfriend is not worth anything. No. So he should run away as fast as he possibly can. She's absolutely... She's a maniac. I think Lucas could get whatever woman he wanted if he, if he you know, set his eye on somebody. I don't think it's worth it pick up with Carla, but do you think he's supposed to be like, is he going to be a villain in this piece or is he just like... Oh, he's such an evil villain coming and telling Carla and Peter that their guy. relationship seems to be quite unhealthy. Mm. I don't know. It was, it was, it, yeah, so I'm kind of glad that he's back, but it does feed into the the relationship side of this story, which, as I say, is not as interesting as the alcohol one, but it seems like maybe that's over now. He's on his road to recovery. Do you not think that there's still... It could always no. take a, another no, turn for the gonna, worse. No, because he's going to have a liver transplant. Oh, yeah. Is he, he going to have another deathbed wedding at the hospital? I don't know. They'll be I like, yes, know. please, come into the Peter Barlow memorial room, wedding mm. room, for, for terminally ill patients. Yeah. You've been here before, haven't you? Have you got your loyalty card? <laughs> if you get three stamps, you get a free wedding. Here's, here's a little theory. Oh, is, is Jenny going to end up going after Lucas? Because Daisy's still trying to drive this wedge between her and Johnny, isn't she? And maybe um, if Lucas is being rebuffed by Carla, maybe he could move on to the, the next most eligible bachelorette mm. in the street. Not Gail, not Eileen, but Jennifer Connor. 
Mm. Maybe. I mean, she Maybe. Just does Pilates. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you were you were, when we were watching this on Monday. You were not um, particularly complimentary towards what Peter, did I say? were you? You were just saying he was feeling too sorry for himself and he needs to buck his ideas up. Was I? Yeah, you were like really <laughs> mad at him. Was I? Yeah. Do you not remember? No, I have no memory of it. Yeah, you were you were you were calling him all sorts on Monday. Do you have you cooled off? I think off he now? was just being pathetic though, wasn't he? Like, yeah, I'm really sad. Oh, jigsaw. Yeah. Like, I know jigsaws make you sad. Do something different. Get a PlayStation. I also thought that he probably should have <laughs> realised that maybe this exact life path that Carla has gone down isn't necessarily exactly the way she would have planned it had she well, had look, the chance. When you're a little kid, if somebody said to you, do you want to be an astronaut or do you want to date an alcoholic? You would go, astronaut, I don't care if I die on Mars, I'd rather do that. Mm. <laughs> also, I don't see how anybody with any sort of self-reflection can sit there, sit there hun- hunched under a blanket on a Monday afternoon doing a jigsaw puzzle in your dad's house at the age of whatever he is, 40-whatever. Uh, higher than that. Whatever he is, going, why doesn't she like me? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Why is she picking Lucas? Yeah. Right, next I don't story. know, Peter. Next Maybe story. she does. She hates you as much as you hate yourself. Well, she has me. It's certainly nothing attractive about a self-loathing, loathing alcoholic. So on Monday, Yasmeen has volunteered to do front of house at Speeddale today. Since Jeff popped his clog, she's been just there in the kitchen cooking up a all the curries, and now she's decided she's going to face the customers. But of course, the first customer that comes in, maybe, Literally or at least the first. the first one that we see her interact with, um, puts a bit of a spanner in the works by wanting to know if that magic bloke is here. Because this guy hasn't been looking at the no- local news or anything at all, and hasn't realised that Jeff is no longer with us. And this puts Kyle Yasmin back somewhat. Um, he, he He's very insistent. He says, I promised that I'd get Jeff to do magic at my daughter's communion. No, my... <coughs> good I'm sneeze. so sorry. Yeah, his, uh, yeah, he's supposed to be doing magic at a, a daughter's holy communion. I don't know whether this is the turning the water into wine trick or something. <laughs> but um, Yasmin is like, oh, not Jeff. You've reminded me of him. So she, and she knocks over a mug of water and scarpers. So Alia and Elaine... I, can I just say, obviously, this guy doesn't get any news whatsoever because if he did, he'd get the news that Jeff is actually a subpar magician who can't even do a magic trick because Yasmin ruined it. I know. Oh, well. Well, he's not called Jigglet Jeff because he's really good at magic, is he? <laughs> um, so no wonder he didn't hear he was dead. Yasmin uh, um, gets chased home by Elaine and Alia, who, who are fairly sympathetic towards her. And she's starting to wonder whether she's ever going to be able to serve again. And they said, well, what we need to do is the D Jeff speed dial. And Yasmin thinks this is a wonderful idea. So they're going to go back, they'll go through all the changes that he made and, and wash that man right out of their hair. So um, Alia is going to make her list of all the things that they can do. She goes to the little understairs nook to find a pen. But what does she discover there? A load of final demand envelopes. All these little bills that Yasmin's been hoarding. Alia finds and um, Yasmin's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) I didn't want you to find these. Oh, I just put them on the top of the bin. Mm. Um, and and the, the big frustration here is, of course, that they are in their Jeff's bills and not hers. So, but they are in her name. Yes, yes. 
Um, and, and Elaine says, oh, I was also left in debt when Jeff let me. It took me years to recover it. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> Thanks Elaine. for that, Elaine. Uh, um, but I'm sure it's going to be better for you abuse. now. I'm sure it's going to be better for you now, because when you see the adverts with all people going to banks and everything, the bank managers are always such friendly chats. Maybe we should go and see when it's, if we can sort this out. Um, but not before Alia goes to see Imran first and says, look, can we get some, you know, pass the court records to the bank and prove that Yasmin was in a coercive control relationship. I loved this scene. This was the funniest scene. Why? Inadvertently funny because... Because Imran's like... Imran's like, um, I don't think it's going to work because she took the loans out in her name and also don't want to be too rude but you guys haven't paid me yet either it's like Imran what you are you that desperate for cash I can't believe you are Imran's like sorry 60th anniversary week many people said that I was character of the week that week I no one gave... was talking about the the the, the Ray with his bulldozer no, nobody was, was talking about Imran. Jeff falling about the roof they were talking about that amazing defense I yeah. gave of Yasmin so yes I... I will get paid for that thank you very much I sat there and looked at CCTV footage of all of the car parks within the 30 minute walk radius yeah. of that goddamn hospital and I'm going to get paid for that and it's going to be £6,000 Alia and I will take cash only from you no checks <laughs> I, di- I didn't i kind of forgotten about that I wondered whether he was doing it for, as a favour but it's not I think it's not his business is it it's Adam's business well it's also like the thing is on Coronation Street both um, Adam and Imran only really ever do work that's re- related to their friends and family. And if they just did mates race the whole time, <laughs> maybe that's why Toya and Imran are living in that rubbish little flat. Yeah, probably. Like, oh. She comes home and she's like, oh, another big case today, honey. And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although I'm looking at Simon. He's he's smoking drugs outside Victoria Gardens. So I'm hoping I might be able to defend him soon. <laughs> and Imran's like, uh, Toya's like, I think he was playing a trumpet. I don't... <laughs> they were doing band practice. Um, anyway, it turns out we find out that Yasmin owes £29,000 plus £6,000 legal bills from Inran. And so it's looking a bit, a bit, um, yeah, a bit like a difficult situation for them. So they're going to have to hope that the bank takes pity. I thought you were going to say IOUs. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday. Alia starts the episode organising the bills, then she floats the idea to Yasmin that maybe she should sell the community centre. Another um, person on Coronation Street who inexplicably owns the property of the business that they run. Everybody is a business owner and homeowner, and they're all, that's why we say they're all middle class these days. The, the, anyway, this idea does not go down well with Yasmin because the community centre is so important to her. I mean, she hasn't step foot in it for the best part of a year but it's, it's a, a massive rare... money spinner as well these days everybody's <laughs> clamoring to get into the community centre the problem is speed doll has made the community centre redundant because they just push the chairs back and put all the mums and bums <laughs> yeah, and tums classes mums in there don't they mums. literally yeah, they the, do. the community centre is a tiny little nook shop just sell it just uh, just rent it out as a factory this is the other thing that gets me is that they always have a conversation about selling their assets and they never talk about the fact that these are generating money all of these businesses they talk about selling not only do they own the 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 actual property but they own the business that is running out of it and surely generates money 
And as soon as you sell that property and the business, you have t- cut off your supply of income. Yeah, your revenue, yeah. So how does it make sense to sell a property? And the other thing as I well, can just... I just point out, why on earth does she not, if it's £29,000 and she owns her own house, and we'll get to what, we get to that in a minute. She owns she owns two businesses. She owns the community centre, which apparently is a business, and Speeddale, and, and two properties. She owns the community centre itself and her house. She can't remortgage and get 29 grand out of her mortgage, and she must be near the end of her mortgage. My God, if, she, if she's not, mm. she wants a crack on the head. I, I guess she just wants, you know, money fast. And by selling the community centre... There's literally... It doesn't make any sense to me. There's no way that you would go to a bank and say, look, I've taken out a bunch of loans. I shouldn't have done it. Can I consolidate them all and take it out of my mortgage? There's no way that somebody with this many assets... They'd turn down. I just think it's silly. I just... It's a very... It's a very silly, problematic story um, because it doesn't make any logical sense. I don't understand about things. Why like that. would that's you sell as well? Why, if you live, if you've got your lovely house and you've got your community centre that's earning money and your and your business, why would you sell the business and not your house? Sell the house again, get the money out of the mortgage, mm. pay pay it back on the mortgage. Isn't that what a logical person would do instead of send, selling the thing that's earning them money? I guess Alia is just literally saying you, you don't need the community centre. Maybe she thinks that Yasmin. I think Alia was being really cruel to um, Yasmin, and she wasn't listening at all to what Yasmin was saying at, at she, all. At she any wasn't. Point. Yasmin she was quite insistent her. this week that she didn't want to let go of the community yeah, centre. Yeah, she's did like, she? no, I'm not saying. Yeah, it. by the end of Wednesday, uh, Friday's episode, not only was it on the market, but it also had some interest in it. So, by it could be sold by Monday. Alia was like, oh, yeah, grand, whatever. I've, I've phoned the estate agent. Like, calm down, it's not even yours to sell. I think and this, this, is... this, do you not think this is another example, almost, of her pushing Yasmin into the same situation she was in with Jeff? Yeah, which is what Yasmin said. I think that yeah. was the whole idea Billy, behind Billy, this. Billy and me. I also, I don't know how much money Alia has, but I, I, ha- I kind of think she's got money, hasn't she? Both her uh... parents have died. She must have inherited some money. Oh, yeah, she would have done. Um... She's a professional woman. She works. She owns her business. Can't she give Yasmin some money? Can't she say, Yasmin, I'll buy half the house? I don't. That's what my that's what my friend did with her dad when they got hit. Their 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 parents split up, and her dad couldn't afford to stay in the house. So my friend paid half the mortgage and had like a contract to own part of the property when it was sold. Well, maybe that's what they'll do. Ollie's like, I'm not going to give you any money, Gran. I'm just waiting for you to die so I can hook this, <laughs> uh, cut this in half and share it with Zidane. In fact, you know what? I might even tell him. Well, she, she does have a backup plan, at least, which is selling some of those... Um, she's got a jewellery box, hasn't she? Oh, with some jewellery from Sharif and some of Cal's war medals. Uh, but sadly, Jeff has already got to them first, we find out. That was sad, wasn't it? Yeah. He's and then the bailiffs show up. And they were kind of nice bailiffs. What she should look for is a stamp collection. Oh, yeah. They were kind of nice bailiffs, and they understood Yasmin's predicament, but it didn't stop them going to, uh, you know, going up and making a list. And I want to the... say something here. What? Um... Sorry, sorry. Um, the way the bailiffs were written was, like you say, very sympathetic towards bailiffs. And the way they spoke and what they did made me think that whoever wrote this actually researched what a bailiff does. He doesn't just go in there and say, Oh, oh listen here, love. We've got I'm just going to take that down. TV. Yeah. 
that's what I was kind of expecting them to do. It would be really lovely if they could extend this courtesy to other professions like teaching that they think <laughs> they know about but don't ever do any research on and just make up crap what to make remember. people look bad. Yeah. Look what happens when you actually research what actually really happens. Um, so, I, yeah, I, so we they were come wondering, in and they say, I wonder know how much Jeff's stuff is worth. All of his magic gear. I can't gear. believe that magic stuff isn't worth a fortune. Yeah, it's They like, should have marched magic. them straight up. Exactly, look, this is a wand that makes a rabbit come out of a hat. <laughs> Infinite rabbits. Even yeah. if you sell them for a pound each. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, that's it. infinite pounds, isn't it? <laughs> Do but, the maths. So anyway, listen, why don't they just march them up to this room and go, take what you want. Take anything out of it, you can take it now. Because mm. they came in and they said... Um, we've been sent here to, to recover money that you owe. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to make a list of stuff that we could sell. And then if you don't repay what you're owed, we'll come back and get it. Yeah. So they were, you know, they didn't just turn up and take everything out. No. They just want to find out what's there just in case. Yeah. So but I, I thought they were being very reasonable. And I also don't understand why they didn't just say... Because, like, some of those, those... To buy a magic trick, you have to pay a lot of money. Well, there was the... Um... There's all those those dolls as well, aren't they? Oh, they look like dolls. proper. Put it on eBay, haunted doll. Um, Ali and Yasmin go to the bank later, and the manager is not very nice. He's not like the bank manager on, on TV. He doesn't care. He says that when you sign this loan agreement, you are in sound mind. Sorry, I'm not going to wipe it off. He was sympathetic, but he was like saying, "What can I do?" He turns into Jeff. That's what he can do, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, it's me. Yasmin sees Jeff. He's back again. I sold all your medals. Ha, ha, ha. And then they go home and um, Yasmin is still saying, I'm not selling. Well, she I'm starts freaking out, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she does. She says, I'm not selling Jamila House earlier. Um, but she is upset that she will never be rid of Jeff. Friday, Ryan's bored. So Alia says, let's go out to dinner tonight. And he's like, we're not going to speed dial, though. That's still there. And Alia's like... the only place on the street to eat at the moment. Alia's like, I literally have no healthy relationships where I listen to what the other person says, so we're going to speed dial. Is that yeah. what you just said? Um, and uh, an estate agent comes around to have a look at speed dial, uh, to look at the community centre, sorry, and Yasmin doesn't want anything to Wasn't do with it. was Ryan pathetic today? Do you think? He was like, oh, I'm so bored and I'm fed up. And he's like, I don't know, get a job. Well, you know what? He was getting looked at. He was um, he was having an interest shown in him by Daisy the other week, wasn't she? So maybe he's going to like blow this for a game of soldiers. Yeah. I'm going off with Daisy uh, Daisy Midley. I'm just going on eBay here and I'm you looking want... at magic tricks. Yeah. And there's like, you know the cup games? Yeah. You can sell, there's £28 here for a vintage... Magician's aluminium cup and balls magic trick. How much for a magic box? International magic watch box, £16.55. It's got six bids and it's still got two days left. Okay, that all adds up, doesn't it? Um, Eileen, Elaine, Elaine. Elaine, I've written Eileen here. She tells Tim about the community centre sale and they're kind of worried about Yasmin's state of mind. Um, and then she, so she decides to make things up to Yasmin by buying her a chicken which Yasmin is not impressed by because she's not ready for a third one yet. She's kind of got used to having two. Um, so Elaine goes back pet. home and thinks that she's made everything worse. She was just trying to make things better. And then they all go to speed dial. Elaine says, sorry. And Yasmin, um, this is where I felt really sorry for her. She's, um, she starts to get upset because she realises that they've changed the menus without her say-so. Well, and she's like, and she's. And she's saying, oh, you're, you're, you're worse than Jeff. Well, you're just as bad as Jeff. He yeah, stopped me doing whatever right. I wanted and you're mollycoddling me. Um, and, you know, 
doing things behind she's my back. She's patronising her. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be furious. I'd kick her out. She's like, oh, Gran, we had a meeting and I thought that that was enough for you. So what I did was change everything. Thanks, Dahlia. Nobody asked you. It's not your business. Um, and then we also find out in this end of the episode that Tim has been left everything in Jeff's will. I don't know why it's taken so long to find this out, but well, never mind I don't mind think that. anyone was asking, were they? Because they just assumed that it was... Um... So Tim now owns half of number six and a quarter of speed dial. Oops. So what's that going to mean then? Any? Well, uh, the... if Is he this does... going to be a solution to all of Yasmin's fraud? I don't know. How can this be a solution? He can say... Are you joking? You can have this. Are you joking? You're being stupid. Oh, go on, then you tell me. She presumes that she owns all of this. The presumption is that Jeff didn't make a will, or if he did, he left everything to Yasmin. And so everything that she owns is hers. Mm. Jeff didn't actually own any of these things, did he? He married her, and then he got half of everything because of the customs of marriage. So now she's facing debts... And she only has half the assets she thought she did. And you're going, well, this seems like a good solution. All right, then. You're mental. <laughs> I can't see how, if, if Tim is any kind of a man, I can't see how this goes anything other than Monday morning, Tim going, sorry, Yasmin, Jeff left everything to me, but don't worry, I'm not going to have it. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I hope so. I can't see how you can be forced to take things against your will. I don't know what I don't know how this works. I presume there will be some kind of fee involved in him giving it back to her, which is going to mess her up. But you know, if Jeff, if Tim turns around and goes, "Well, work, it's half my house. Get out." Yeah, he's 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 an asshole. But I don't think he's going to do that. I just can't. This is this just is a Tim weird. We're talking this about just here. seems like a, this would be like a. I would feel more like, oh, this is a dilemma. If it was anybody but Tim. You know, if it was somebody who didn't know Yasmin at all, he would turn up and go, oh, sorry, no, this is my Uncle Jeff who left me this in in the will. Of course I'm going to have half the house. Why wouldn't I? Mm. I'm perfectly entitled. And you would go, yeah, I guess, you know, if you if you get left inheritance and you pitch up and they're like, oh, I can't, I've got to sell my chickens. I I took out a loan. You'd be like, that's sad, but where's my cash? I guess Whereas Tim's I didn't... like, yeah, I'm not going to... I guess I wasn't thinking about it too deeply because I was... Not that excited by this story, I have to say. I, do, I have enjoyed the Yasmin story, but this this feels like it's just going on a bit. And it and the fact that it's turned into another, oh, I don't have any money story, which, you know... We all know that ten story. Penny in Coronation Street. It's like... Can I um, also say that I predicted that Tim would be left... No, I predicted that Jeff's girlfriend would be left the money. Oh, and that would actually be more interesting to me because she would probably want to take it. Yes. Oh, well. Um, speaking of do you Jeff... Feel, do you feel there's any danger of Tim demanding? And if he does, He really like, shouldn't do. But if he does, or if he does, all I can see is like two weeks of scenes of everyone going, Tim, you're so mean. And Tim going, oh, it's not my fault. But he fault. wanted me to have it. Oh, it's my dad not done anything good for me my, my whole life and now he's left me this. So it's great. I can buy a tiny a new stall. And... and uh, Tim and Sally going, Tim, I can't believe you do something like this. And then eventually him going, yeah, I guess so. I'll give it back. Mm. I'm not interested. I'm, exactly. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in this. I'm I'm sad that the the prospect of the community centre possibly being sold Are they just now, gonna it be feels like, like it's a done deal. Is it but... just the, the writers going, we can't think of anything exciting. We've been trying for years to make this exciting. And all we come up with is Father Christmas. 
the the community center hasn't yeah hasn't really solved it's got the so served much a purpose for a little while now but i definitely think that speed dial has meant that they they don't need it they just have classes in speed dial it's a bigger space do you not think it's also a bit stupid to have two businesses that do completely different things and then take one business and encroach on the other one's stuff. Well, I think Speed Dial at a time was like doing it because... Like, they're poaching business off themselves. Well, I know they did it because there was the a factory, factory yeah, yeah. but there isn't one there now, is there? No. Who's running this business? I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Jeff coming into it this week. You've written, what difference could Tim owning half of number six make? Yes, well, we've what talked about that What possible thing could, now. how could that affect we've anything? We've talked about that now. What did you think is of Jeff being you, back in it? It's because we both own half of everything, but you secretly think it's all yours, so you don't yeah, get it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll tell you what I thought of Jeff being in it. Why did they bloody spoil it? Again, what is going on with the Coronation Street publicity and choosing what they will and won't tease us with before an episode? And it's not, I don't go looking for spoilers, but if I'm just having to browse through Twitter and they put out a tweet saying, Jeff's going to be in it tonight. And they're, Thank you, Coronation Street. I didn't want to know that. Genuinely, the, the only reason to have Jeff in it is to shock and surprise you. Yeah. And if you tell people before you're going to do it, you're going to surprise them. It's never surprising, is it? I mean, it's all. I mean, it's not as surprising as it once was. Exactly. When he turned up on Christmas Day, that was great. I did not expect to see Jeff on Christmas Day. No. And all the stuff with all the red crosses around the, the kitchen was brilliant. And then he comes back again on the day of his funeral. I was like, oh, yeah, OK, it's Jeff again. I wonder if she's going to start seeing him again. And then on, on Wednesday, I was like... Oh. I, I think even said... if I hadn't seen that spoiler... I'd be like, oh, it's Jeff again. Well, it just it just looks like he's got a really good agent. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think there's obviously the law of diminishing returns with this. It gets to the point where he might as well just be a main character again. <laughs> but what I am what I will say is that I think eventually symbolically he will be defeated in some way i would hope so and she will see him and she will know that that's the last time she'll ever see him and she'll make a statement or he will and then we'll know that's that she's got over him and that's honestly that's the only reason i can see for why you would keep bringing him back she needs to chuck a bucket of water over him so you can fall and melt into the floor like the wicked witch of the west oh i was thinking um like out of that cartoon program with um bob hoskins Who's oh yeah Roger yeah Who was yeah judge doom he will and his eyes will pop oh, out and like everything that poor little the poor little shoe the poor little shoe that you put in the dip yeah that was so sad <laughs> that was the saddest death in movie history that poor little shoe oh anyway that's that story sorry i thought that was fairly dull as well and considering that i like yasmin i mean it just goes to show it's just because in the, in the back of my head it's like oh more money problem there yeah, i don't care Nina and Yasmin, though, Nina and Yasmin, Nina and Alia, um, was fine. It was, sadly, um, it wasn't in any way an A story of the week, and not a whole lot happened, but I I kind of enjoyed that. I think Dev helped save the week in some way for me. Do you want to um, give a quick rundown of what's been going on with our lovely lesbians, (laughs) as Mary put it? Um, Don't label them. Don't label them, but you can label the films that they watch as a lesbian film. The fact that Nina gave a really impassioned speech about how nobody under no everyone over thirty loves labels apart from her, and then she's like, the next sentence she's like, anyway, so we're gay, <laughs> and also she's a vegetarian. <laughs> like you got to admit that labels can be useful for some things. Like instead of being like, yeah, I don't eat pork, nope, not lamb either. 
Nope, don't eat chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there must be a word for this. <laughs> <laughs> so on on Wednesday, um, Nina comes to over to walk Asher to school. That's a bit creepy. Why? Walking your girlfriend or boyfriend to school when you don't attend school. <laughs> That's just wrong, isn't it? There's not a huge age difference. I know there but isn't. I know what you mean. Uh, but yeah, just like the that sentence made me cringe a little bit. What was really cringy was Dev saying, So, you want the sofa tonight so you can get a little bit jiggy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Dev's offering them the empty house and, he, and she says, I'm going to actually do a, an online spoken verse thing on women's identity and existence. Sounds enthralling. And they go to speed dial beforehand. No, they're going to go to speed dial to have a nice dinner together. Um, but they don't. Ashley goes to the cafe after school and finds out that Mary knows that she is a lovely lesbian. And Dev says... Um, Dev just talks about the spoken verse thing and, and, and Nina says, oh yeah, it's my favourite author and Ash is like, oh, he's mine too. Oh, I so don't know what their name is, but I love them. Yeah, she's getting. A, I think she's getting a bit too intense for Nina. Well, let's talk about Friday. Um, Ash is getting a bit overwhelmed with, with Dev, who's obsessed with making her feel welcome about being gay. And um, she he hatches this plan with Mary to create the most gay evening um that they can he says gay and vegetarian yeah he invites her over cauliflower tea. wellington she's making a cauliflower wellington which sounds to me gross sounds like she's homophobic and she's just internalizing it and she hasn't realized why would you make this for anybody that you liked it sounds horrible doesn't it sounds it? like the worst combination of food because you're gonna you've got you're gonna be a bit hard. flatulent after that as well everyone's farting They've just eaten a rock-hard, limp, damp cauliflower surrounded by wilting pastry. And that this is not the height of, of vegetarian cuisine. No, we all know that that is veggie lasagna. Well, what about a nice mac and cheese? Yeah, nice. With cauliflower. What about a nice cauliflower cheese? Even that would be better than a hot, steamy pile of undercooked cauliflower and raw pastry. So anyway, um, that's her he, idea. He, he wants something that's quite highbrow, I looked, like the film. I actually looked up, yeah, I actually looked up a cauliflower wellington and there are a few recipes and um, at least one of the comments was, cauliflower was a bit hard, <laughs> but everybody seems to be quite okay with it because I guess after a while... You just accept if you're going around someone's house and you're a vegetarian, you're going to be given things like cauliflower wellingtons and you just got to go, hmm, yummy. Oh, so, um, so, so they're like, yes, it must be, we must do something sophisticated and uh, French and gay. So they decide to watch a French film called... Uh, Portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Yes, a Portrait of a Woman on Fire, which I think came out a couple of years ago and is... About lesbians. Mm. I did look it up. It's not an easy film to to synopsize. <laughs> but it's basically like an unrequited love thing, I think. It, it seems like it had a sad ending because they're all in tears. Yes. Mary was in bits with it. Dev was... 
I love their I love their um socially distanced sobbing as well. They were like Mary's by the door, Dev's by the TV, Nina's like going out the got to the garden. Mm. Ash had, for some reason is the only one allowed on the sofa. I would have found it quite interesting if Dev had found the film a bit uncomfortable to watch because he's he's saying about how cool he is with all this and everything. And you know, it's a, he knows mm-hmm. he knows the woke thing to say right. and the accepting thing to say. But I wonder if yeah, if he'd have found the film a bit difficult to watch and goes, that's, that's what my daughters do. Oh, I don't know. I think that would be a bit un, un, nasty. Maybe. I think I don't think he would. I, do, I, I I can just picture a scene where all of them are watching the film and they've all got their different reactions to it. I get it you. Yeah, funny. I don't think it would be a sympathetic way of portraying Dev though. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, or maybe he would have just found it boring. Yeah, that <laughs> because would have been Because I don't... Funny, yeah. I, honestly, I don't think that that particular film would have been something that Dev would have enjoyed watching. No, yeah, that would have been funny if, you like, is like Nina and she's crying and Ash is just looking uncomfortable because she's watching this film with her dad. Mary's, Mary's in Mary's, bits. like, crying and Dev's, like, looking at his watch, like, <laughs> how long is this? It's too much reading. Yeah, I think Ardy had the right idea because he wasn't yeah. there to watch it, was he? No, thanks. <laughs> so, um... So they've watched this film, and um, what was it? It was something really funny that Dev said. I don't know. Somebody said something, and then Dev just repeated one of the words that they said, like he didn't understand anything they just said. And then Asha went, I really hate it when people watch something and then they talk about it afterwards. So she's obviously not a fan of the podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she gets... I think she was just trying to be cool and like she didn't want to talk about the fact that because it's very confronting, isn't it? They haven't really said anything, but you would feel really confronted if you were watching this film because you were just embarked upon a relationship. Exactly. It's like it's no coincidence. It's, like, it's kind of like if, and it's also a really sad film about how lesbians have been oppressed. I think um, it's, it'd be like if you joined the army and everyone was like, "Let's watch Starship Troopers." <laughs> <laughs> um, Nina, I thought this was kind of sweet, and I also wonder what was going on here, really. I don't know if she's telling the truth, because she gets she starts getting all hot and flustered and, and crying, and she gets overwhelmed as she goes outside, and they go in the ginnel, and she says, oh, it reminds me of when I used to watch films with my dad, and um, then they kind of, like, smile, and they almost kiss, but then Mary comes and goes, it's cauliflower Wellington time! <laughs> and they're like, oh, quickly, we must go. <laughs> I wondered here... I wondered it because um, of of the way that um, Ash has been quite clingy. And then when they watched it, and I thought that Nina looked really uncomfortable, and I th- thought before she said anything to, to Asher that she might be feeling a bit like, oh, God, this is serious. Yeah, she does I'm not want that. with the her dad and her, like, fake mum aunt, whatever you want to call her, because she's not just a babysitter, is she? She's part of the family. Nanny. And, yeah. And and this girl who is trusting me with her very first foray into any kind of real relationship with somebody who who respects her. And I don't know if I'm that into this. No, she just wants to, you know, hang around and chill and be cool and, yeah, she, and, I think and see she's, what happens. She's... Take um, it slow and, and natural and, and, and yeah, Alia. It might I, be. Asha said before, because we had the scene in Victoria Gardens a few weeks ago where... Um, yeah, Asha's like, oh, I love you. And Nina's like, let's just... Yeah. And, and Asha said, yeah, I'm cool at taking it slow, but yeah, I think she's getting a bit excited by yeah, this. Yeah. 
Which is fine. And like, but I know. It, I, I, I find it really interesting and I wonder what will happen. And I, I can sort of... I can imagine Nina maybe like... Fi- uh, I'm, I'm reading it in this way. It's not necessarily the way it should be read. But it kind of feels like she's thinking, I'm in over my head here. I do not even know what I'm doing. Mm. I feel like I'm going to break her heart because I don't actually think that we're like going to get married and... Yeah, you know, and it's and like it's could ruin our friendship, which which is actually quite nice for the like, yeah, a year before. Yeah, and also Ash is a decent cafe. kid, and she's had a hard time, and yeah, you know, it's got it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, and and Nina's Nina's like not that much older than her, but in a sense, she's she is much wiser, and and she feels a bit like a bit more switched on, and she's more philosophical and. I think she's more in touch with her feelings and she probably thinks more deeply about stuff than Asha has. Mm. And it's not just Asha that's being intense, is it? It's Deb as well. Yes. He's, he's like, yeah, he's going overboard at yeah. showing just how accepting he is and yeah. you know, inviting her out for tea and everything. And she didn't sign up for this. No. At all. I don't know if that's really what's going on. I just thought it was very interesting that she said she was hot. Because I don't think if I was watching a, foot, a thing going, oh, this reminds me of my dearly departed father, I'd be like... Oh, Richard. <sighs> <laughs> I need to cool down. Maybe she was just getting turned on by the hot, steamy lesbian French action. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was really good acting. I thought it was an interesting choice for her to say that she was hot because I don't think that very often people say that. Mm, but I, I do know. think I that you. That, I do that. think that can be quite a reaction when you get overwhelmed. You do go like, "Well, I do anyway." Oh, I'm really. I need to stand in the garden. I hope that this story gets a bit more of a, you know, a bit more of an airing next week. Good. I, ha- yeah. I, there's a lot of really interesting stuff that's going on in the show about what it, does it mean in 2021 to like to be part of the LGBT plus spectrum. And again, they're really keen on emphasising that they don't want to be labelled as anything in particular. Um, and it's like an old fuddy daddy thing to do. Um, which I thought was really interesting. Like they're really doubling down on it, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I think it's, I think they're trying to educate people, but also capture like that market of of people who, like you know, really are into that. But they're not saying that you know all people in the LGBT plus community <laughs> don't want labels because I mean James will happily proclaim that he's gay to anyone that asks, won't he? He's well. There's a yeah. There's a diff- There's a spectrum of different beliefs about it, which is why it's kind of cool that they've brought this into it. Yeah. There certainly are people that um, that feel that way about it. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, we had a little... Did we have any Paul in this week? I can't remember. I yeah. Did we? No, we did, because Paul in the next story, in the, in the Ronnie storyline, gets invited to mm. the casino, doesn't he? Uh, along with Ed. And Ed is not particularly um, happy with this, because um, he's obviously had this gambling problem in the past, which I thought was quite interesting to bring up again. Um, no, hang on. Ed what? has. Ed has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronnie thinks that Iron Lady Aggie has got him right under her thumb. And, well, then, and then we have look, a nice little scene of Ed opening up to him and explaining well, everything that happened. They yeah. lost the house. Michael well, took listen, the blame. Because Ronnie's walked in here and the last time he saw his his, his bro. brother and their family, they were living in a giant house with, you know, all, this, all the luxuries. Mm. And um, he had a big business. And, and now he's living in a terraced house in a little pokey place with all of his family plus the girlfriend crammed in here. And he's got this tiny little builder's yard, which which Ronnie's like, this is a bit crap, isn't it? And he's like, so let's go to the casino. What's going on? 
And at this point, it's gone so far that Ed has to be like, look, I know none of this makes sense, but as soon as I tell you I'm a gambling addict, it suddenly all slots into place. Yeah, he says, look, stop pressing Aki's buttons. We've had problems. And, and she, and the- yeah, she says, he says to her, to Ronnie, no, you think that she's a bitch, but actually she's protected me. Yeah. And she could have left me at any point. Yeah. She's a saint. <laughs> she just bitches all the time. And that was about that, which is weird, really, because like last Friday, Ronnie comes in and is like, this is, yeah, I quite like this character. And on Monday, I was like, yeah, I like Ronnie. I'm glad that he's, you know, he's, he's here. Now, what adventures they're going to get up to this week? It turns out nothing. <laughs> no, none. And I don't know whether Ronnie's in it next week. It's, it's just bizarre he was in it for literally an episode and a half or something, and then that's all we've seen of him. But He's a very not... charismatic, cool guy. He really is, yeah. Guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think once I'm hoping that once he gets into having proper story territories, uh, yeah, he's gonna hold my interest because I'm my interest is peaked at the moment. So the final. Do you want to read this as I interrupt you a lot? No, there's not much to say. Is that hallucinating? He's just hallucinating again, and he is with his cats and his. He, he didn't talk about seeing Aiden today, old Johnny, but him. He is his cellmate, uh, Kai. I wrote down his name, is being a bit mean to him and teasing him. For um for for acting a bit nutsy, so Gary you can't say that when someone's actually nutsy. Gary has a word with him and says tells him about Aiden and everything and leave off please. Don't be so mean. And we also and, and it's like it's a, it's um well known a well known fact that in prison if you ask somebody to not be mean. Oh they yeah, they say, it, yeah. fair enough, mate. Um, we also get to see for the sake of the viewer that Johnny is still not taking his pills because he's he's got it there when he's um on the phone uh, earlier on yeah, in the episode and at the very end he drops the, the the pill on the floor and Kai sees him um, but pretends not to see it so I don't know whether he's going to try and get Johnny's unused drugs off him or well, something. Well this is what I was just about to say. Um, I didn't know if he saw it and he was like oh well, I won't say anything because I don't care whether this guy is, is seeing things or not. It's actually quite funny for me to see him confused because he seems like a, a nasty guy. Um, but yeah, Johnny's missing a trick if he's not selling these. Yeah, he's just flushing them down the loo, isn't he? Waste of drugs. Everybody and, uh, knows. And I thought he was supposed like to be some big businessman. Yes. <laughs> if there's one thing you can sell in prison, it's drugs. And this is how you know that Doesn't he's totally lost it. Doesn't even matter what it. what they're for. Right. So that was this week's Coronation Street. Then we have gone through everything, and um, I, I I stand by what I said at the beginning of this street talk that it was uh, yet again, sadly, not. Uh, the best week. I wasn't offended by Gail and Ted and Eileen's funeral. I just didn't think it was as funny as they wanted it to be. Simon's stuff was all right. Um, the Nina and Asher stuff was all right. There but were some really funny good scenes, but there, there, there were some, they were few and, and far between. That, that's the thing. It, and it, it was. served to highlight how bad the rest of it was. Yeah. Um, so, so I can't give it any more than two Princesses of the Dead out of five, I oh, think, this yes. week. Oh, yes. Mary said that Nina looked beautiful like a princess of, of the, the dead, dead. <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, so that that's what I'm going for in character of the week. I mean, uh, it's a hard one. Um, probably Dev. Dev. Dev was the one that stood out to me. Dev was great. Dev. Dev was great. He didn't have a big role, Are but you everything calling him he, Dev. Dev from now on. Everything that he did, um, I enjoyed. Dev. Dev. Um, it didn't I... seem forced. No. I'm going to give it to you as well, because I thought it was a bit crap. Projectile cockapoos. Yeah, yeah, good good one. I don't know who my hair of the week is. I think Dev deserve it, deserves it, because um, yeah. 
I am really liking uh, him, I think. Uh, he's struggling in his own way, isn't he? He's not really sure what he's doing. He certainly wouldn't be rolling out the red carpet for um, Asher's boyfriend or um, what's his face's... Ardy's girlfriend. I don't think he'd be this nice. I think he's overcompensating because he's still a bit uncomfortable. He's overcompensating a bit. I think he's he knows that his relationship with Asher has been somewhat strained over the past few but years. But also and this I is think he knows. He's like, I her. know this is going to be tough for you. Yeah. I know that even now... It's not that comfortable to be gay, but I, but in he, society. he he's not realizing that some of the things that he's doing is making it more, more uncomfortable for her. So yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. doing the best he can. Uh, there was then... a bit where um where he they're in the house I think, and he's like looking at Nina and Asha, and he's kind of like extending his arms, and he looks utterly delighted and thrilled. And I thought, oh, he's just glad they can't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, on the one hand, yes, you will encounter many difficulties and hurdles as a lesbian couple especially as a mixed race lesbian couple but on the other hand no unplanned pregnancies <laughs> which was the main thing i was worried about Asher, if i'm gonna be adopted somebody that's not gonna happen <laughs> is it we went to the supermarket we came back with this kid uh. just followed us so Free kid. should we should we round it up there <laughs> yeah oh, i hope next week's better yeah, i really get, do honestly, the thing is right whenever you watch a bad week or two you think it's going to get better and I'll be thrilled. But when you're watching a good week, you like sometimes you'll say even on the podcast, like, oh no, I hope they can keep this up. But you know they can't. Mm. It's just, it's just the, the way that, the, that it goes. And let's not also forget that some people watched these episodes probably and thought they were great. Oh yeah, yeah I'm sure they do. And so, sometimes like the, the good episodes come and surprise you. Yeah. And sometimes you, you're not expecting one to be good and it, yeah, it, yeah, catches you off guard. So maybe I'm not going to hope. I'm just going to see what happens. Well, we have but no some, choice. Some but people, to watch it. I've seen some people saying, "Oh, I'm not surprised they went and had that two weeks off storyline conferencing, blah blah blah," because this was such a bad week and everything. But I don't think it was anything to do with that whatsoever. I don't know whether it just made me wonder whether you know the higher ups at Cory look at a week like this and go, "Yeah, that wasn't so good, was it?" Or do they do they think that every week is great because obviously to believe the publicity department is their job to make every week sound as well they're not as the same good as... people are they no 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 it's their job to make it sound as good as the rest but i don't yeah i wonder whether people well, they're not going gonna be like look you go, i know it's not fun but you gotta watch this because you understand next week but yeah i oh, i think that the the two weeks they've had off were purely for covid related reasons i uh, would look, say i don't know probably, anything but... i know that they've they've been working really really hard and everything's they more difficult they and... have been working really hard and maybe in a different you know different circumstances ted's funeral might be at a church or something and you know they've, they've got some really strict rules that they're having to stick with and yes they've made the decision not to go with a digitally enhanced you know lack of social distancing things that that EastEnders are done and everything. I, I, I think everybody there is working really, really hard. But just because you work really, really hard at something, it doesn't mean it's going to you know, hit all the right notes. And that's the most depressing thing about life. Yep. Should we move Sometimes on? Sometimes you can try really hard and still not do a very good job. Should we move on to the but next no, bit? Yeah, I just want to... Yeah. Oh, go on then. Um, I don't really know. Like, like... <sighs> Sometimes comedy just doesn't work and I, I, it's a hard job and I wouldn't be able to do it. So I often think that when we sit here and pass judgment, it's easy to think that we think that we could do better, but I genuinely don't think oh, so. Oh, I don't think I'd be able to do any better, but it's not a job, is it? 
<laughs> what is our job? And and like you said, there'll be people there that have been lapping it up and loving it. It just, just hasn't worked for, for me this I'm week. I'm really interested also to know what people think about psychics and... What was the other thing? Drugs. Um, drugs. Um, I, know, I think we all know what everybody thinks about the funeral scenes. I think most people didn't really like it. And some people said, oh, I didn't really... Didn't think it was inappropriate, but I didn't think it was that funny or, or whatever. But I really want to know what do people think about this psychic storyline? Because um I am as I'm talking about it and speaking on this podcast, I am doing so um in the knowledge that people are listening who have different sets of beliefs about this, as they are entitled to. And some people believe in psychics and some people don't. And there are ends of those spectrums where people are incredibly militant about what they think and think that everybody else who thinks anything different is completely wrong. And I am being um, very diplomatic in, in what I'm saying, um, but I would invite people to let me know what they think <laughs> if they have opinions strongly about it one way or the other, because I'm pretty sure there's quite a few people listening to this who are very sceptical, but I would be interested to hear from people who aren't, who, who think that this might be, who have beliefs in this and whether they think this storyline um, feels like it's being written by somebody who is trying to make fun of them or not, you know? Because mm. sometimes you don't pick up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, often on these, often on shows like this, they will make the psychic a, a fraudster. Yeah. Because I, and I don't really know why, because I think that, you know, they've had ghosts <laughs> before and, and uh, seances, so what's a, what's an odd psychic or two? True, true. Anyway, that's, that's just... That's an, it. Yeah, I'm, just, in, I'm just interested. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's do a bit of Corrie news. Um, more sad news to begin with this week. Eileen Derbyshire's husband has died recently. Thomas Holt, he was called, and apparently they were um, married for fifty six years um, after meeting in nineteen sixty four, which is amazing to think about. The fact that these two were together pretty much all the time that she was in Coronation I Street. I know, but uh, yeah, sad, sad, sad news. Sad, very, very sad news that is. Um, yeah. Um, also, I mean, was it all? Um, what? I'm just trying to think of a way to segue to the next one. I really, really can't. can't think of it at all. So I'm just going to say that Bev Callard has been in the news again, talking about uh, leaving Corrie. I don't know whether it was last week or the week before we um, we mentioned in the in the cabin segment about her saying that she's never going to come back to Coronation Street again. And she's she's been... Um, she's like, I'm still not going to come back. She's doing stuff don't with, even with Melanie me. Blake a lot at the moment, her agent or publicist or whatever. And um, so yes, she's I've getting quite... Yes, I've heard some juicy stories. Did you hear about... Um, uh, that she, yeah, there have been some juicy stories leaked that are not because leaked. Oh, she's silly. Who's this Melanie? Blake. She's an agent, isn't she? She's a celebrity agent, and she's written this book about a flick fictional soap. I, I haven't looked people, into this particularly. She's she's basically written about her experiences working with casting for various things, including this fictional soap, which is obviously. Um, Coronation Street or, or an amalgamation of different things different mm-hmm. soaps but including Coronation Street and so she talks like she talks about uh, you know people that uh, fictional I get that, you know what I'm saying like yeah. she's kind of like not talking about it directly this is, this is the impression I get is that she wrote a memoir of things that happened but she didn't say who it was but basically she's in the news just saying oh yeah that was uh, that was um, Sherry Houston. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and it kind of defeats the purpose, isn't it, of like putting a secret in the book? It's yeah, she's she's certainly enjoying her time in the spotlight at the moment, and 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 Bev is also you know using it as a chance to. I mean, I don't blame her if she if she's left and she's maybe looking for other work because she wants to she wants to get her name out there and her face out there. But one of the things that she said um, just recently, which interested me, was uh, the fact that. Um, she said one of the things that made her consider leaving Coronation Street was that, I quote, they love the car crashes, the train crashes, the murders, but they don't tend to do the kitchen sink dramas. And I think we all love the interaction between characters and that doesn't happen as much anymore. Mm. And I think that's something that a lot of us would agree with. Some people don't mind that. Some people love the car crashes, train crashes, murders. And we go through stages where we love that as well. I don't have a problem with car crashes, murders and uh, and, and car crashes and things. Um yeah f- fair enough i i think say watch having watched some of the older coronation streets in the last 12 uh months or so has made me realize just how different it yeah. was in the past and also um makes you realize how much you can do with those kitchen sink dramas and i i think it's unfair to pretend that you can't have both at once because i genuinely think that coronation street has done some fantastic dramatic storylines that are interwoven with big stunts mm. like the trap the tram crash with all of the things that went on there it wasn't just all oh, tram crashed and everyone's no. dead it was so there were so many intermingling stories that have been building up for months to that moment and there were so many emotional decisions and and like things that people that happened to people that was really good writing and yeah it wasn't around a kitchen sink it was around the rubble of a of a crashed tram, yeah. but they still use the same skills that they use to write about the more mundane things. I, I think you can have both, but I think it's fair to say that um, sometimes the stunts get, uh, the story gets lost in the stunt. And sometimes, sometimes every, to me, things are seeming a little bit too, you know, life and death. Yes, it really is. Um, and, stakes and it, are and always it, really high. Yeah, too, too high stakes, exactly, which is but why then, I appreciate the, the Nina and Asher story and the Fizz and Tyrone drama, even if that might turn into an affair, it seems. Because and, if you think about, you think about the fact that um, I think every week you get, a, the soap magazines come out and you've got to have a, something on the cover for all of the soaps and if it's like you know dingle triple hop murder suicide which who's who's um whose baby kills who you know in eastenders and then it's uh rita loses her earring <laughs> cabin drama i know i know what you, know, you mean it's like uh it would you you know that they could write a really fascinating bunch of scenes with comedy and drama, and Barbara Knox would be fantastic. But it's still at the end of the day, Rita's probably going to find her earrings, isn't she? It's probably under the counter. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> looking at this week's stories. We've got a death because there's a funeral. There's somebody who's getting into the dark world of you know, illegal drugs and and, and gangs lines. and everything and county lines. You got this person who is one more drink till they're dead and they're relationships about to go up the swanee we've got somebody who's just come out of a coercive control relationship he's literally being haunted somebody, somebody who's in prison and is hallucinating and he's thrown away so, it's, so it's hallucinating all... visions of his son who committed who killed yeah. himself and, it, it and then you feels got... very very yeah. very high stakes and, I don't and if think you read need... if you read like a week's worth of cory um storylines from the very beginning it's like Will they be able to renovate the kitchen and pay the rent this week? Yeah. Harry Hewitt 
kicks Ina off the bus because she doesn't have sixpence for the fare. And, and at the time we're watching it going, oh my God, I can't believe Harry chucks her off the bus. Oh, there's going to be drama at the Rovers tonight when she I gets in there at, and tells... At times like that, then the drama can come from the character interactions and, yeah. they, and, and they don't need to worry about ramping up the tension no. quite so much because the, the dialogue any, does Well, they also the didn't have any competition. Literally, it, it, not just in against other soaps, but like there were like three channels, mm. two channels. But you know what? When we were at the height of the feeling saga, which I still I say was you know, my favourite era since starting the podcast, it was all high-stakes stuff all as well. And I, wasn't, and I wasn't complaining in the slightest. No. I loved it. Um, so anyway, well, that's what she said. That, that's what she said, indeed. Now the next for the next bit of news, I am going to pass over to Gemma. And this is the last bit because you're as well. confused because I don't I, I don't know what's going that. on. By the way, I don't know whether people were expecting. Probably not. They've probably forgotten for me to talk any more about the Land Girls of Coronation Street because whenever we have these books, and I usually like to do more reviews in the cabin. I'm still only about a third of the way through it. Not because I'm not enjoying it. I really, really am. I've just not been not had enough time. But I I am absolutely loving the Land Girls of Coronation Street. They're not even Land Girls yet. They're, they're, they're basically Vera's, um, Vera Lomax, no, to be, yeah, Vera Sharples is getting fed up of Ina trying to interfere in her love life. So Lily uh, Longhurst has suggested, I think, that, that, that they go down to Kent to be land girls. So that's all to come. I'm, I'm thinking it's great. I'm, I'm, this is, I think, maybe one of my favourites, if not the favourite of Maggie Sullivan's book so far. But anyway, I, I'm just blabbering on about that. I'm going to pass it over to Gemma, who has got some fashion news. Fashion. And we haven't had much fashion news recently because we haven't had any award no, ceremonies for Coronation Street to dress up. Nice. No pretty dresses anywhere. So what and is nice... this week's fashion news, Gemma? I tell you what, though, Ronnie's making up for it in the in the men men's fashion. Oh, stakes. that that interesting. We've got Ronnie and Tim both wearing like beret kind of hats They're this flat week. Caps, Michael. And and it works so much better on Ronnie. <laughs> Oh, Tim. how dare you. Tim is a Ronnie a Ronnie wannabe. <laughs> a Ronnie <laughs> a mouthful. <laughs> um yeah, often on the Facebook group, so, for some reason we seem to very often have conversations about who's the best dressed on Cory. And uh people really, really like um Adam and Imran, I've forgotten who else. Definitely Ronnie's gonna be up there. But like if you're a man on, on Cory and you wear a well fitted suit, you're automatically eligible for best dress. Yes. Um, right, so if if um, but if you want to um, wear Coronation Street themed clothing, you might want to give old Edward Crutchley uh, a call in his atelier. Who? He is a designer who has put together a collection for autumn winter twenty one based on Coronation Street, and it's is it called Florizel? It is called Florizel. That's it. As it, we know, yes. the original working title for Coronation Street was Florizel Street, named after the character from. Oh, it's a fairy tale, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. It's from Sleeping Beauty or something. So he he um he's this kind of um. So I think he's from the north, but he's given this really weird quote. He said, after reading Susanna Clarke's 2004 debut novel, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is historically researched fantasy, I started thinking about an imaginary cultural swap during the Industrial Revolution. (laughs) If the South became industrial and the North was romantic and mystical, how would that kind of North-South divide affect us all now? And I think this just highlights the fact that he doesn't know anything about what happened south of London How during... How pretentious does that sound? I'm sorry. It just highlights the fact that he doesn't know anything that happened south of London during the Industrial Revolution because I can tell you right now it wasn't romance and mysticism. <laughs> 
Um, we also had industry here, believe it or not. We we do make things south. Um, and so he's um, he's come up with this. He wanted to shoot the collection on the set itself, but obviously, he, they, he said COVID, but maybe they were like, this is weird, no. Um, <laughs> it is weird. It's making fashion out of people it. in headscarves and um You don't curlers. get it because you're not a fashion person. And I think fashion is one of the things that is so easy to mock if you don't understand it and make fun of people who are taking clothes seriously. But it's a form of art, I really think. I could rant for a long time about the importance of fashion and how people don't take it seriously, very much in the same way that people don't take soap seriously. So it's very interesting to me to see this amalgamation of two things that are sort of seen as frivolous and silly, um, but have can convey deeper cultural meaning if you're actually interested enough to look into it. And he has, you know, there is uh, on... On YouTube, there is um, a video of his collection and he talks a bit more about how he's come up with some of the designs and how they're made and the processes behind them, which are actually integral to what he's trying to portray with his collection. Um, It's got 9,317 views, so... If everybody listening to this went and watched it, we might double <laughs> double his count. Um, uh, he he, you can buy his collections from Matches and Harrods and Browns. If you want to, you want to like dress out, up as Evelyn Plummer for Halloween this year. This if is, you want to fork you out a bit of extra for cash. some of these, you're going to need to put down about six hundred pound for a <laughs> for a um. A jacket and a you know four hundred pound odd for a pair of trousers. So you're looking down, we're scrolling so, down at the moment. They're not. No, not this isn't his collection. This out. isn't no because it's not autumn and winter twenty one, is it? it? Oh, that is not. So yet. this is February. So this is when they're doing the winter fashion stuff. Okay. Okay. So you're teaching me. Yeah. So um, as usual, really in touch with what the northern people want and ha- what their budgets are. <laughs> I love the fact that he's like, oh, it's very traditional northern thing. Six hundred pounds for my jacket. Thank you where's, very much. The, where's where's some pictures of, the, of his clothes? So he's, can have a look. Um, I really like. There's some really cool. Um, there's some really cool earrings that look like big spokes of a wheel. There's a lot of um massive. He's done these massively over exaggerated head scarves. There's a special type of jacket. He's done a. He's done like a leopard print. Oh yeah, there's uh, a few leopard print bits I things. saw. Um, there's not a lot you can really say to describe them because they are very utilitarian and fairly dull-looking clothes. Some to be of it honest, it just looks a bit silly, really, and it's all these models looking also sensual and pouty and things dressed up like you know Ina Sharples. They are just wearing massive duffel jackets and like um, and flat caps and make fashion big, out of anything. Big can't medallions. You? If, you, if you write a waffly paragraph about your inspirations behind it. Um, I I like this. I think it's kind of sweet. Um, I'm surprised he didn't try and do it last year when it was the 60th anniversary because he probably would have got a lot more press for doing it then. Mm. Um, I mean, for example, one of his innovations is that he's made a tweed jacket out of cashmere. Whoa. I know. I think we've talked enough about that, haven't we? People can go and look it it. up for themselves if they want to go and see some pictures. I just thought this was really funny how he was like... The, the South is now industrial and the North is romantic and mystical. Like, there's plenty of romance and mysticism in the North, isn't there? Yeah. There's loads of it. He's just not looking properly. But anyway, if you want to send me some free clothes... <laughs> I wouldn't fit into them anyway. So it doesn't even matter. But I could probably rock a headscarf that hide my chin. <laughs> Should we move on? Let's do feedback.
Right, last week's feedback, no, last week's Coronation Street, sorry, according to the feedback poll on the Conversation Street Facebook group, awarded last week's episodes of Curry 3.2 out of 5. So it was pretty much down the middle. People thought it was an all right week, and I think it's probably going to skew a bit lower this week, but we will see. Um, Richard gave it four airport-sized bars of Toblerone out of five, so he quite liked it. Joe gave it three middle-aged men sitting under blankets out of five. And um, Smoffy had a little bit of a dig to uh, Jack's casting, I think, um, and gave it four incredibly tall 10-year-olds out of five. Well, thank that. you very much, everybody who um, who voted on that. I always like to see what people are gonna are gonna vote for it and score it out of. We have just got a couple of bits of feedback this week. We've just got Nancy and Rebecca, so I'm gonna take Nancy. You can do Rebecca in a minute, Gemma. Nancy um, has written us about the um, 1990s discussion that we had last week, which she really enjoyed. She also um, wrote about some of her favourite bits from that period, including the Percy, Maud and Maureen going to Normandy story. Uh, She says, Maureen's reaction to finding out her father was an American soldier was amazing. Um, My father was in World War II and he always spoke about Normandy. My friend's mother married an American soldier too. Sherry Hewson was brilliant in those scenes. I agree. Um, It was wonderful because it added another dimension to Maud and Maureen's relationship and gave me an amazing insight into Percy's background. She also um, points out the uh, Kevin's moustache being shaved off by Steph Barnes as being a highlight for that era for her. And she enjoys the argument that Sally and Kevin had after the party as well. She hopes that we enjoy the second half of the 90s. Well, we are we are winging our way through 1995 at the moment, aren't we? We've just seen the uh, infamous Pals Pals scene oh. where um, Better and Rita have had it out about the uh, ownership of the Rovers. So um, uh, I, I got a feeling, Gemma, that maybe one or two more bet Gilroy scenes left for us to watch and then that is sadly going to be it. I know, I'm kind of until, mad. Until her early 2000s revival, which I'm sure we'll see a little bit of as well, but um, the less said about that, the better, maybe. Can you uh, can you read out Rebecca's feedback for us, please, my darling? I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I did, I'm she distracted because did. I found a magic shop. Because I was going on eBay earlier for prizes and I, Yasmin's sitting on a gold mine here. There's a, there's a thing called a duck bucket and it's too... Three hundred nineteen ninety nine. Wow! And this is under the um, heading of stage magic, bracket dove magic, bracket duck bucket. <laughs> that sounds like something that Jack would call Vera. Oh, my little duck bucket. Oh, I love your duck bucket. Says so a duck or small animal can be made to vanish or appear by placing it in the bucket and then showing it empty or full. One animal can be changed into another. A group of silks can be made to change into a small animal. This makes it sound this like it's real. This is absolutely fascinating. And it's so expensive. There's a load of uh, bottles that multiply and they're like 300 quid. Well, you know, maybe we have just uncovered the way that, that, Ali, uh, that Yasmin is going to work her way out of this situation. Would you like to carry on looking through the magic shop while I read out Rebecca's email, Gemma? Because I will happily do that for you. I think you better because I've just found a head of called Luxury Magic Collection. Right, here we go then. So Rebecca says that she really enjoyed the scenes in the freezer slash fridge with Debbie and Kevin last week and appreciated that Sue Devaney and Mike Lavelle bubbled up mm. so that we could have these close scenes there was none of them this week at all was there um i I almost wish sal could have bubbled up as well so that abby could have given kevin a hug when she found him but oh well i love the proposal so sweet and maybe i'm being a bit optimistic but i think everything will go smoothly unless ray escapes from custody also happy that cray and fe cray and fe up craig and fe are back together 
Um, I sympathise with Leanne so much, and firmly I am on her side, although I can understand Simon planting the feathers. I'm not so fussed about Jacob, but I can understand Simon going down this dark path. I don't really think that playing jigsaws is on Carla's wavelength, and she might be tempted again. Don't fall into their trap, Rebecca, of believing you can play a jigsaw. (laughs) This is an illusion in itself. Not a game. It's not a game, it is a pastime. Um, I don't really think playing jigsaws is on Carla's wavelength. I've just read that, haven't I? Nice to see Sam again. If Paul and Billy, by the way, don't get back together again, I could support a Paul and James relationship, even though I would rather them be friends, as pairing every gay guy together is getting a little bit boring. And I did like Paul and Ed's chat. It's about time that the gays got a chance to be boring, just like the straights have been doing on Coronation Street (laughs) for the past 60 years. It might be interesting just to have them as friends. We haven't had... Had there been anything with James and Paul together at all yet? Got potential, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm not not particularly interested in a romance there, but maybe maybe mates. Um, right, I did like Paul and Ed's chat. Um, why is Summer talking about going to the Arndale in a chippy tea when there's a pandemic going on? That no, really annoyed me. Don't we're not care. having any criticisms no. of pandemic stuff because. We've got to let it go. Because we would never stop if we started. Yeah. I still like watching Todd, though I do think something went on with Aggie and Ronnie. And thinking about maybe if it came out, James wasn't Ed's child. That's why he was so (laughs) reluctant to accept James being gay. He wasn't reluctant about accepting James being gay. Yes, he was. He didn't. He says that's fine. Ed? Oh, Ed. Oh, yeah. No, Ronnie was. Yeah, maybe. Also, the club that James is talking about transferred to not is not a real club yeah because we were like is that real no idea i'm curious about the flirtation ronnie seemed to have with emma although he's probably more daisy's type i also laughed at aggie saying she was giving up biscuits for lent and grace should give up being a moody cow (laughs) i'm guessing alina is at the yoga class and she and tyrone will get closer and because of covid they can't show the scenes leading up to revealing an affair sigh i did enjoy evelyn basically saying to tyrone he was soft for only having heart pains like I keep saying, Fizz is being too naggy to push Tyrone into an affair, so I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> you can't just go off and have an affair because you've got Look, a naggy wife, Rebecca. Michael Otherwise, would have I'd had be. So yeah. many mistresses. If I, if that was true, exactly, exactly. I hope you don't. And if you I do, take you're my really, vows seriously, thank you very really, much. And I know Tyrone hasn't been taken. Yeah, up the he hasn't by even Fizz done. Yet, but... He hasn't even said any vows. <laughs> Finally, I'm feeling sorry for Johnny too. And like you said, Michael, I wish that we'd had Shane Ward either sat with Johnny or across the across from his bed in the cell. It's the tell you what, it's the Jeff Metcalf budget. It's sucking up all the ghosts. It is, it is, it's Ian Bartholomew. They've got any money left for ghosts. Yeah. They haven't even, they can't even get a cat, a ghost cat. (laughs) Oh, that would have been brilliant. I don't understand why they don't just get a ghost cat. Yes. Um, I also (laughs) love Dillian and Johnny comparisons with them both losing their sons and appreciated Jenny visiting Johnny in prison. The George stuff was filler, but probably will start again this week. Oh, yes, it certainly did. I would like to see Eileen or Gail driving the hearse through, uh, though. Um, the character of the week is Abby, and I give it three and a half. Methodist Pam's going to her single mum's bumps and times morning out of five. Aww. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um. It, the the other thing I think we didn't maybe mention in the street talk this week was that, or maybe we did. I don't know. The drawing the parallels between Leanne's story about the here's one way of going through grief versus the funeral and kind of making fun of people going through grief and. It's just weird. I think some people also had a had a reaction to what Nick was saying to Leanne when he found out she was collecting feathers and thought that Ollie was was contacting her through feathers and he was so mean, dismissive about it and rude. But nobody says this to to Billy. Like, did you know that God's not real? 
No, it's different. It's it different. isn't different. It isn't different. One is a, one is a set of prescribed beliefs that you that you go and you communally agree upon in a in a set location and it has a book. It's got its own book and a book club that's quite famous. <laughs> um, and the other one is just just like a natural belief that human like many people believe that you can communicate through dead pe- through or dead people communicate to you through natural objects patty clare on twitter was asking if anybody knows oh, yeah, if anybody dies good. because a robin flew she into her bedroom and she said i'm very week. superstitious superstition is a part of a belief system that has been around longer than the christian church How, having a go at leanne for thinking that ollie sent her a feather when it is a harmless little self-delusion that she's decided was out of order well i mean i do think that nick would have been you know raised in a very anti-religious beliefs or any kind of spiritual beliefs household after you know the whole ivy thing well gail has certainly not you know tried to take him down that path ivy terrorized everybody because of her her beliefs Mm. and so i can understand that yeah he doesn't necessarily want her going but I don't think that's. I don't, I don't think I don't, that's I think what we're looking into. I just think everyone's really, being really cruel and dismissive of Leanne. Oh uh, well. One thing I want to say um, about what Rebecca was saying about um, bringing up Johnny again, and we were talking about the cat. Wouldn't it have been amazing if they had got a cat in and Johnny was just in the prison with a cat? And yes. we were watching it going, "Why has he got a cat? That's stupid! Why there a cat in there?" And he's sitting there stroking this cat. And everyone's looking at him weird. And then you don't find out for like a few weeks that he's, this cat's not real. Yeah. Because we had him saying, oh, I can see cockroaches. And everybody believes that he can see cockroaches. But the thing is that the audience wasn't engaged in that delusion because we never saw any cockroaches. We just kind of agreed with him saying that there were. But it would have been more shocking if we had seen what he was seeing and they could have done that with a cat. It is weird how they... Because you would have had people writing in going, that's stupid, you wouldn't be allowed a cat in prison, I don't know what they're playing at. And then Coronation Street could have gone, ha, ha, it's not even a real cat, it's a hallucination cat. It's funny that they're showing Yasmin's hallucinations, but they're not showing Johnny's hallucinations. It's interesting. Well, it's not really funny. It's because he's seeing somebody they can't afford to hire back. Yeah, but he's not the only thing that that he's seeing. And also insects, which are quite hard to wrangle. (laughs) But, they, but a, cat, a cat would be easy. Or why don't they have him hallucinate something they can actually do? Like, oh, I keep seeing Jenny. And just have Jenny sitting in the prison going, hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That would have been, don't you think that would have been really cool if they'd done that? That would have been very cool indeed. But right. they didn't, did they? No, they, they didn't. Did not. I've had enough of talking today. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed it. But um, I just, uh, same, similar, similar to the last few weeks, I just, I, I hope that it won't be long until I can get really, really, really into Coronation Street. And, and I want to be able to, like, super look forward to recording a street talk. So it's like, I cannot wait to talk about what an amazing week this week. Because it's brilliant when there are weeks like this. And today it's like, oh, am I going to be able to muster the enthusiasm to talk about this? Whole thing? We kind of did. But, yeah, come on. Maybe, maybe next week. You never know, do you? You never know. I think that we should put some of our Patreon money towards buying some of these We're not magic. getting a duck bucket. No, I don't want a duck bucket. I want Dean's Box 2.0 by Dean Dill, which What's is $424.99. And I'm afraid it's out of stock and it is not eligible for free shipping. But it is the work of unseen forces. What is it? 
A truly grand illusion in a highly portable design. Many testimonials made by those who've seen Dean's Box performed. <laughs> Dean's Box performed a test to its astounding, mind-numbing, jaw-dropping impact. What is it though? Dean brought a beautiful cherry wood box <laughs> oh, measuring seven inches on the side. Right, you find out what it is. I'm just going to tell people how they can contact. It looks us. really complicated and confusing. It's just a magic box. I tell you what, I reckon TC Tahoe had said it best when he said, or she, or they, this is truly an amazing effect and it's really spooky. Great. Conversationstreet at gmail.com is our email address. Oh, it's, even Convers- got, it's got a testimonial from Jesus here. And he says, and I say unto all of you, I say unto you as I say unto all, watch. Conversationstreet.podbean.com is our blog. It's great. You can go and look at all our old episodes while listening to them anyway. Go to Instagram, we're there. Go to Twitter, we're there. Go to Facebook, we're there. Go and join our face secret group there. And definitely, definitely, definitely this week, go onto YouTube because that, remember, is where our bonus podcast is exclusively for one week only. Have a look through those 1990s, early 2000s curry websites. It's jolly, jolly good. And I might not have been able to get too excited about this week's Coronation Street, but I was very much enthralled and enthused by having a look at um, days of old and online Coronation Street stuff. And while you're there, give us a subscribe on YouTube. Even even if you don't want to, it'd be lovely. If you could just click that little subscribe button, if you could put, click that little thumbs up next to some of the videos, because apparently it helps or something. At least that's what the other YouTubers who I watch tell us. Gemma's just lost in a world of magic, so I'm going to say goodbye on her, her behalf. Hands in, there. A, in a hole, and there's a rope, and it ties itself together. Wait, hold everything. We have got some feedback. I've just noticed some feedback has come in. And I like this because it's positive about this week's Coronation Street and I am happy, happy, happy to be able to end this podcast on a positive note. But wait. Thank you very much. What? Before this, because I want Lauren to have the final word, okay? okay? I have investigated Dean's box and it is just a box where you put two bits of rope in and they come out tied together. Yeah. We've just been watching a video and I've been and cleaned my teeth and I've noticed that we've got this email come through though. So I'm going yes, to read. Yes, this is really great. Thank you very much. Actually, and also, no, you can read this because I read the last two, didn't I? Um, the, the feedback has been dated as well, so we know exactly which week Handy. it's referring to. So what has Lauren got to say to finish? Thank you so that? much. She, um, say, I love the podcast. I found it about a year ago and I can't, always can't wait to listen to every, every week. I've gone back Good and reading. listened. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I've, I'm bamboozled by duck buckets. I've gone back and listened to so many old episodes. I really enjoyed this week's Cory. I'm, I'm so thrilled that you wrote in, Lauren. I really enjoyed this week's Cory much more than the last few weeks. The Alia, Yasmin and Elaine trio is great. Their scenes together on Monday were funny. It's nice to see them all happy together for a bit and then see their support for Yasmin, even though it might be a bit too much. I'm still very much enjoying the Yasmin storyline and so glad they're continuing to show Jeff's impact on her because it will always be there. Elaine talking about Tinkerbell was so funny. I think we need Tinkerbell scenes back. Agreed. I really like what you're saying, Lauren, here about this trio of Yasmin, Alia and Elaine, because I hadn't really thought about them as a trio, but you're right, and they do work really well together as like the character dynamics. And... I think they do. I think that um, I think Elaine has got a tendency sometimes to be a bit too highly strung about things, but I'm still, I'm still pretty much enjoying her as a character. Yeah. Um, so she continues, after Elaine said that Alia doesn't like dogs, I was going to suggest they get a cat. There's a real lack of cats on the street. Yes. Yasmin not wanting new pets is understandable. Too much pressure being mounted on her. 
The Imran and Alia scene was sweet too. <laughs> I love their dynamic and really hope they keep Alia, Ryan, Toya and Imran friends. I'm sure Alia and Imran will, but it would be nice to see all four of them together with some happy scenes. Just don't put Alia and Imran together romantically, please. Yes. I think also uh, the trouble is, Lauren, that they have to bubble up. And I'm not talking about hugging bubbles. I'm talking about like filming blocks have certain characters that are always in the same like the same story and so it's harder to sort of introduce characters from other stories into that block because they've got they can't swap for covid reasons they have to kind of stick and um it's kind of like you've only got you can only play with those characters in the the story so i think once this is over before they can go back to normal i think they will see a lot more crossing over of people and things because you're right that they're they're a good group and it's fun to watch them. Um, I feel that that has some potential and that the four of them were all under use and together when they all lived in the flat. Also very much love Ali and Ryan. See, this is funny to me because I think they're doomed. Um, she says, I feel like they're good together. Ali doesn't need someone serious and Ryan needs calming a bit. So they balance each other out. See, that's funny because you're saying they balance, but I'm like, they're not good right for each other because they're total op- opposites. But so far, to be fair... They haven't really had any stress, have they? You know, they haven't had any relationship problems. No. Tonight's scenes and what Ryan was saying is making me worried he'll get with Daisy, especially oh, after those Ryan and Daisy scenes a few weeks ago. I, I really hope it doesn't happen. Another amazing trio of the week was Carla, Daisy and Jenny. Yes. And it was great to see Carla be a bit more herself and the Carla people love. Yes, yes. As for Carla and Peter, yeah, I don't really like them together <laughs> from the experience I have of someone like Peter. It means I want Carla to get out. I know this is about Peter, but this damage damaging for Carla too. And she was getting blamed for Peter's actions. I get that it's different for everyone, but that's from my experience. Maybe they should get back together once he has recovered. I just don't want this story to be romanticising alcoholism. Anyway, good to see Peter upgrade from a blanket to a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> the Leanne stuff was sad. Very glad Toya was there for her and to help her realise. So good to see Toya back. It's been a while. It's great to see the Asher and Nina story. It was so funny tonight with Dev and Mary trying to help. Their lines were great. There was still no Toya and Imran together this week, were there? We saw an Imran scene and we saw a Toya scene, but um, ships that passed in the night, sadly. Sad times. Character of the week is Alia and I give it four pens. Ooh. Ryan has hidden out of five. Now, has he put that in a duck bucket? <laughs> Or has You'll he never see it, it again. <laughs> it's like, he's, I don't remember how it works. Oh, it's not my fault. seen him put it in a pen pen. <laughs> pen pen. Also, love the length of the podcast. Please don't shorten it. And Gemma, don't be so hard on yourself. We oh, love hearing what you have to say. I said I didn't read the end of this. Lovely. Um, That's a nice positive way to I love this. I, I really like, like Yeah, this is what we were saying earlier. Like, who could like this? I guess some people. <laughs> yeah. And Lauren came along and told us. And I really agree with the positive things that she's brought out because we didn't really concentrate on a lot of the things that she said that she enjoyed. We were week. just moaning. Um but there whinging. were some, some good things. There yeah. were some good things. So thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you everybody. And if you want listening. don't forget to write in. And don't. also, um if you want us to get a magic bucket Please subscribe to no, our Patreon. We're not going to get a magic I'm going to buy a magic trick. Ready not. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to, you know, insert this little extra bit of recording. So just in case I, you know, overwrite other things that I've said, I'm going to say again, don't forget to go and listen to our um, YouTube bonus podcast thing and watch it, I mean, because it is a watchy. You need to watch it. And, um, and that's it. Get in touch with us if you have other feedback like Lauren and Rebecca and Nancy did so thank you very much for listening everybody and we'll see you you next week the music with this episode came from podcastthemes.com